big afternoon planned. Always more fun when you are involved. 312-981-7200. That's the phone number. That's the text number. When you uh, avail yourself of that number for telephonic communication, you'll be talking to Cody. Yes, I finally came back from Las Vegas Golf. He's the executive producer from Rockford, Illinois. If you're nice to him, you get to me. If you want to stay in touch with us via social media, it's Brian Noonan Show on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, We'll be talking about the biggest story of the weekend, which is the weather. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Bella Gandhi from uh, Smart Dating Academy will join us after 4 o'clock because this is the time of year. If you are doing some online dating, you are probably really ratcheting up your search this time of year. How much pre-date cyber-stalking is okay? Uh, we will uh, get into that. We'll talk about uh, Gillette's campaign against what they say is toxic masculinity we'll uh meet uh, we'll talk also about these teenagers who were in washington dc the other day who you saw surround a native american vietnam veteran and uh, taunt him we'll get into all of that and then after six o'clock we're going to uh we're going to bring in some live music hody snitch will be here in advance of their uh, per- their performance at the cash for kids festival which is happening next saturday night at the irish american heritage center all to benefit the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. So that is a lot. Plus, we'll also talk to Cody about what he saw at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. That way he can write off the whole trip because now he'll talk about it on the air. And then it's, uh, you know, that's all for the IRS, who are uh, shut down, aren't they? Isn't the government shutdown continues? Of course it does. We are in day uh, 312 of the partial government shutdown. The president uh, saying he wants to do a deal, but no, the deal is not uh, really worth it. The Democrats say, no, Uh, you know how you know how it goes. You know how it goes that the uh, we are never going to have the government reopened. That's pretty much that's my prediction. You know when the government's going to reopen? When every federal employee uh, who works for the TSA decides to stay home. When when the nation's air travel is crippled and people finally as one get up in arms and go after uh via correspondence not physically of course but go after their representatives and demand that this be over that's when it's going to end because right now it's a game of chicken between the democrats and the president and the republican party and mitch mcconnell who uh, disappeared we don't know where mitch is he's not going to bring a vote doesn't matter uh but that's that's so if you are a tsa employee God bless you. You've been working for free. Um, Just stay home tomorrow. Just stay home. And when the nation's airports are crippled, then things are going to get done. Because imagine if every corporation that has their executives flying for business can't do it. You know, if everybody who was traveling for pleasure can't do it. Imagine the outrage. Imagine the airlines outrage. And all the people who are connected with the airports being opened. If that's uh, if that's all shut down, there you go. That wasn't on the uh, legal pad, Cody. I don't know where that came from. I just uh, I'm getting I'm getting tired of this. I'm really I'm I'm done with it. I'm sick and tired of uh, both sides being jerks. I'm tired of the fake the fake deals being brokered, the blame, the votes not being done. Those people represent us. We want we want the government open. We being America. So stop it. I will take. I will say to the TSA's credit, they searched my checked bag <laughs> on my way back from Las Vegas. Well, sure, you were coming back from Vegas. They probably thought you had weed and a dead hooker in there, <laughs> and I only had one. Right, we're not saying. 
<laughs> no, I actually had a lot of uh, podcasting equipment for a live podcast I did, so there yeah, were so, wires. Yeah, I was going to say, your whole your whole suitcase must have looked like it was some sort of explosive device. Yeah, it was all electronics, <laughs> XLR cables, microphones. Uh, Batteries. Yeah. Uh, sure. no, do you know that you can't, you probably know this, you can't check any AA batteries. Right. But you can put them in your carry-on. Yes. Which I did not know, and I thought it was odd because they asked, do you have any batteries? I said, yeah, I got a few AA batteries. They go, you got to take that out. You got to yeah. put it in your carry-on. Yeah, I don't I don't uh, claim to understand the chemistry behind batteries, alkaline batteries and pressurization and uh, you know, being in the in the freezing cold of the baggage hold rather than up in the pressurized uh, area of the cabin. I don't I don't know about that, but it is odd. They didn't let you bring your uh, machete though, did they? Well, they did. I had to check it. Okay, because we know you. You, I know you never travel without your machete. Well, I have to have a machete, of course, especially if you're going to Vegas. It comes in handy in more situations than you might think. And oftentimes, uh, you don't know this about Cody, but he will go to wherever he lands. His first stop is always some sort of grocery store or farmer's market, where he buys copious amounts of whole coconuts, which then need to be cracked open back at his hotel room for right. uh, for drinking and for bathing. And uh, and then roasting. You also roast some coconut as a healthy treat, rather than buying the already roasted coconut, which right. I find weird. Sometimes I then go to a flea market to try to find a scabbard. I'm always looking really? for a new machete scabbard. Well, yeah. Well, sure. You don't. The one it gets beat up, you know, because you wear it around all the time. Right. So it, it it gets weathered. But I like the weathered look. I'm not. Gonna, every time you come in with a new one, I'm a little disappointed. Because it's like, it, it's great, and it, but it's brand new leather. And I like the look of a worn leather scabbard well, I'm, more I'm, so than... Uh, I've been looking for a for those of you keeping one. For those of you keeping track at home, yes, we went from government shutdown to Cody getting a machete scabbard. Because I'm, I'm sure you're listening going, wait a minute, I must have heard wrong or the signal cut out. What is, has this all been going... This is the train of thought for the last three minutes? Yes, exactly. So a bejeweled one you were saying? Yeah, bejeweled would be fantastic. I, that's a gaudy. In my opinion, I mean, but I'm not I'm not the guy carrying it, and I'm not against uh, I'm not against uh, elaborately uh, bedazzled or bright clothing or um, accessories. Right. I just for my machete, I like it to look more utilitarian, a little more militaristic, even, um, so that it rather than inspiring. Oh, isn't that cute? I want it to inspire a little awe, a tad bit of fear, and a, a hint of respect. I saw a bejeweled Kleenex box, uh, you know, the tissue box boxes you put over the tissue box. Which I've never understood, but I know what you're talking about. What? You've never understood putting the, the box no, over I the tissue box? I love the old, in the old days when people would crochet them. The crocheted Kleenex box cover or the crocheted teapot cover or toaster cover. I, I, get, what, I get what they are. I don't understand what they're for. But where did you see a bejeweled Kleenex holder? We should actually say tissue box because Kleenex... Oh, sure. Yeah, we don't want to be a toady for the man. Right. But that's like Band-Aids. Yeah. Band-Aids, Coke. But bandages, that's easier to say. And here in the Midwest, we don't say Coke about soda. We say pop. So we've got it covered. Well, if you want... But if you go into a restaurant, you always order a Coke. Yeah, that's true. And they go, is Pepsi okay? And you go, yeah, all right. Most people can't taste the difference. I Back in the day when I consumed soda like it had uh, the cure for all that ailed me, Pepsi was my sody pop of choice. And I could tell the difference. I can too. I probably can't. Most people probably can. Because the minute, and this is no slam on our hometown cola, but uh, you take one sip of RC, you know you're drinking RC. You know this is not a Coke or Pepsi product. This is the Royal Crown Cola. 
Mostly if you're at a burrito place. That's that's where they seem to have. That's where I see RC all the time. I don't see RC at a lot of other places, but I see them at a lot of uh, fast food kind of joints. Whether it's a burrito place, I forget we were somewhere else that had. Uh, oh, we were uh, at an Indian restaurant in Oak Park because I'm nothing if not multicultural, right? Uh, and Debbie got a, a pop, and it was she, she said a Diet Coke. Okay, they brought it. She took one sip. She goes, "This RC, or it's Diet Right." <laughs> Wow, yeah, she was not happy. Do they have RC on in fountain jets? Oh yeah, that's like you go to a hot dog or a, when I say go into a burrito place, that's yeah, it's all at the fountain. Didn't know that RC or diet right? Thought it was just the can. No, please, Cody Royal Crown Cola is everywhere. Well, look, if you want a bejeweled cleaning, yes, tissue, back to the tissue box because that's the most important bejeweled tissue box. I, I saw one in Vegas for a poultry ten thousand dollars. Where were you shopping that they had a ten thousand? Wait a minute. Where did where were you shopping? I was I was window shopping in the canal shops at the Venetian. Oh sure, because you stay in the high class joints. Mm-hmm. Me, I stay uh, just off the strip where it's hourly. You stay at the travel lodge. Well, yeah, because I don't have to. I, I don't have to spend a lot of time in the room, so I just get it by the hour. That <laughs> <laughs> I check out. I, I never take luggage either. I just I have what I'm wearing, and then I shower. I uh, check in for an hour. I shower. Uh, do my my hygienic business. You shower again. Sure, and then I head out. Oh, you have to shower twice if you're in one of those rooms. Mm. We stayed at a place off the strip once. I probably told the story called Terribles. No. It's a hotel casino. Um, and if you're driving in the Vegas area, you know there's gas stations called Terribles. So I'll tell you, I, I will continue this story in just uh, in just a minute. And then we got to get into the cold because uh, Cody's very happy. Other people are not. We'll talk a little bit about uh, this. And then I have to say something about the quintessential argument that pops up every winter here in Chicago. Uh, and uh, my opinion has not changed. So we will get to all of that after this. It's WGN. We've talked. We were talking about about seventeen thousand things before we went to break. But one of the things we mentioned was RC, and I meant I said I usually only see it in like fast food kind of uh, burrito places or small places like that. And we got a text from someone who owns a pizzeria, or do you say pizzeria, in Niles, and they say uh, the, that Coke won't deliver to small businesses. It's not worth their time, which would, if that if that is true, that would explain why a lot of the smaller places that I see RC. That that all goes together. All right, so we were talking about you uh, you in Vegas, and we're going to get a CES update in a little bit. I was telling the story about Terribles. Uh, there's a chain of gas stations down there uh, in Las Vegas uh, called Terribles, and it's owned by a guy whose nickname is Terrible Herbst. That's his, that's his name. Look it up, Cody. I see you Googling like you don't believe me. So there's a, off the strip, there is a hotel and casino called Terribles. And back when we were living in Los Angeles, my cousin was graduating from UNLV, and money was a little tight, but we wanted to go to the graduation. So we found, uh, you know, we found the price at Terribles was unbelievably inexpensive. So we we drive over there, and Molly was at that point, I don't know, four, five. She had been in Las Vegas once before when we drove over there to see friends of ours who had flown out. So we pull up, and it's about midnight. And we wake her up. We're like, Molly, come on, wake up. We're in Vegas. She looks out, looks around and goes, not here, we're not. Honest to God, five years old. Not here, we're not. Uh, But the room was fantastic. It had 
you know, we're not looking for uh, top-of-the-line amenities. I'm not looking for the Rain Man suite at Caesars. It was a big room. Uh, there was a nice pool area. There was a McDonald's in another place. They had a casino. And it was right next to UNLV. It was perfect. Did you look it up? Was I lying? No, I, I knew it was a thing. Okay. I just uh, double-checking on it. Sounds like a deal. It was a deal. I'm always looking for a deal. I like I'm always deals. looking for a deal. I make my sister crazy with that terribles thing because I always get to town. I'm like, let's go to terribles. Terribles, sure. You add a little flair to it, Pam. <laughs> and That's I what make I like them it. crazy. They're like, it's terribles. I'm like, no, it's terribles. <laughs> terribles. Sure, nobody wants to stay at a place called terribles, but terribles. Oh, I think I'm going to get some margaritas there. I'm going to have a good time. Right. And she just moved to a place that doesn't have one, like, right nearby. They bought a house. Okay. But the place they used to live in, which is also off the strip, it's up in the Red Rock area. Yeah. Um, and they had one, like, right across the street from her house. So I was, like, always there. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to get out of the place. Hang it out. And they had a taco shop, like, right next door. So it was awesome. Perfect. <sighs> uh, I, I urge anybody uh, who is listening to the sound of our voices to go on WGNRadio.com and uh, look at the camera and see Pam, who is today. You look, you look like a, an airline pilot meets... A rapper meets the Unabomber because you've got you've got your hoodie on and these giant aviator sunglasses. I'm like, no, that's Pam my hair is, you're seeing now. Pam is like, coming in Hollywood. I had on my hat, like my hoodie is red because I'm all Blackhawks down okay. today. Yes, um, but yeah, I have had like eye Ebola. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I know I should not be joking about I, I Ebola, Ebola, right? No. But like, nobody no, especially will since it. I'm not coming. I'm not coming anywhere near the newsroom now. <laughs> oh, I touched all your stuff in there. All your electronics <laughs> have been touched it. by me. No, <laughs> but like, I think I'm picking up something off the computer keyboards because oh. I keep getting these like weird styes and stuff. And now I've got this infection in the right eye that like, oh, no. it's affecting my vision. And doctors just keep throwing antibiotics at it, so I don't well, know sure. what's going on. But it's really ugly, so I refuse to mm. let anybody see my eyes right now. All right. Yeah. Well, I, it's a good look. I, well, I, now that I know it's because you're not yeah, feeling well, I'm the, sorry about without that. Without the glasses, but. I look like Snuffleupagus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, keep one eye open so you can do the news, yeah. uh, which you will have to do in just a minute here on WGN. Uh, if you have a dugout, you know, now, now we know it is getting cold. The polar vortex, which is a term that, uh, according to an article in the Tribune today, the National Weather Service does not like to use, the polar vortex term, but it is coming. We are getting cold uh, I don't know. I know Cody loves loves to th- see the snow. I am I'm over it. I was over it last week when it snowed. I'm really over it now that it snowed. And I'm wondering because Friday I did what a lot of people do. I went out and got groceries. Only because I thought to myself, I don't want to have to deal tomorrow tomorrow being Saturday. As I'm at the store Friday, I'm thinking tomorrow night. I don't want if it's all snowy and stuff. I don't want to have to deal with uh, trying to decide what we're going to have for dinner and are we going to go get something? Are we going to go out? Are we going to stay home? So I got stuff to make dinner on Saturday and stuff to make dinner today. So we didn't have to worry about it. But I saw all these other people at the store also stocking up because God forbid. In this climate, we experience some snow and then realize that we have to go to the store. People panic. Well, it turns out yesterday, yeah, it was it was snowing and it was nasty. But at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, I left the house because I had an appointment out in the south suburbs. And um, the main roads were fine. I had spent a lot of time digging out. This is some, See, you're, you're able to say that you love the snow, Cody, because you don't live in a house. You live in an apartment and don't own a car. So that takes away a driveway, an alley, a garage, dusting off a car, finding a parking space. You you miss out on all the the trauma 
of the snow and you just get to sit on in your apartment and look out at the beauty of it and then decide if you want to wander out and try to get on the CTA or not. Am I correct in that assumption? That's about right. And That's about right. I am connected to the train lines more than the bus lines, so I don't even need to deal with bus right. traffic. See? That's very nice. Yeah. No, I you know, I get up uh, I get up yesterday, I shovel my house. It takes me about 45 minutes just to dig out in the alley so I can get my car out. And I do my stuff. And I go to my appointment, which is near my mom's, and I told her I'd go over yesterday, and I was going to take uh, take her, tr- her Christmas tree down and put it away, which is, you know, fine, because she, she likes leaving it up. So come, going over there on the uh, 19th of January is not excessive for her. She would have, she actually would have preferred if I left it up till Valentine's Day, but I would, you know, I was like, I'm out here, I'm going to come over and do it. Um Put some red ornaments on there. Just have it camouflage. Well, it's a white snowman tree. It's a snow. It's a white tree with a snowman head. So you could put any. It's very wintry. There's no other ornaments on it. Yeah. So it's it's just lit. So I mean, theoretically, you could leave it up all winter and just go. No, it's not a Christmas tree. It's a winter tree. The tree is totally lit. Yeah. Who isn't? <laughs> Frosty. Frosty's lit. It's crunk. Yeah. Frosty's all, oh man, Frosty's lit. I made mine an Easter tree last year. Did you? I sure did. I just left everything up. I put little eggs on there. Yeah, (laughs) it's great. Listen, I'm all for, I wish I didn't have to take the trees down. I'd be happy leaving them up. If, If society didn't judge me, then I'd be fine. But for some reason, I do care if I'm being judged. Which you gotta I gotta let it go. You I should because go. two of the two of the two of the five trees that we have in the house are in the <laughs> three actually are in the basement. Nobody sees the three trees that are in the basement, and if I keep the blinds closed in the living room, nobody sees the big one in the living room either. You know, so nobody can look in and go, "Wow, that how those people are insane." They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven trees in their house. You have to decorate for yourself, though. I do decorate last, for myself. I have noticed the last two years, I haven't had a single guest over at our apartment in December. Really? I don't know why. And we're very Because you're antisocial. Well, but we're socially <laughs> active outside the home. We sure. just don't host anybody. And well, you're, yeah, you've got that word. You don't want anybody seeing your, your, your fortress of solitude. You're like Superman. I guess. You only, let, you only took Lois Lane in there and... Then you held her hostage, aka married her. Yeah, and now she's the now she's the only one allowed in your uh, fortress of solitude. I don't blame you. You know, no, it's all decorated for us because nobody comes to our house either. Because I am antisocial. I'm not going to put a Me ribbon too. on it. I'm not going to put lipstick on a pig. I I don't want people hanging around. So I, you know, I but I you get that warm, toasty feeling when you come home and oh, you know the terrific. lights are set on a timer and they're already on when you get there. You drive yeah. up. It's just like a I don't know. It's a thing. Oh, it's great. And first thing in the morning over the holidays, I would walk into the living room, flip the switch, on comes the tree. I loved it. Now the place looks empty, empty and depressing. All right. You know, we've all we've been dealing with the snow. Everybody, we deal with it every year. I've decided I'm done. I, I can't take it anymore. But this also comes up all the time, and I thought of it today because I saw a bunch of people posting on Facebook. They were all upset, uh, and uh, you know, listen, you can't put things out to keep your parking space dibs. Now, I don't want to get into a long conversation about dibs because it's it's lazy. Everybody talks about it every winter. But I will let me just say this about that. I am a firm believer that if you live in a place and 9, 10, 11 months out of the year, you always park in front of your house. And then January comes and we get a huge snowstorm 
and you go out there and you shovel out all this snow that the plows have piled up on the street. And you shovel it out. And this is where you park all the time. So it's not a surprise to everybody who lives on the block because your next door neighbor probably parks in front of their house too. And your neighbor across the street probably parks in front of their house too. So, you know, you're all neighbors and you're all digging out. If you do that work, yes, you deserve to have that spot. Now, I don't want to hear, well, it's a public street, so you can't, you don't own the street, so you can't park. Yes, no. This is a, this is a civilization. We're not animals. We're not roving the savannah looking for something to kill and eat. You don't get to drive up and down the street taking advantage of somebody else's hard work. If I'm out there risking a heart attack, because shoveling, shoveling out the street is not like shoveling your walk. I, I did it today. I shoveled out a spot in front of the house because Molly's car is here. Debbie and I park in the garage, and then we park Molly's car on the street. Well, we park, we park in front of our house all the time. You know, now that it's snowing, we park our cars in the garage, but we park Molly's in front of the house. So today I went out and I shoveled out two spaces so that there was plenty of room for Molly's car to be right up on the curb so it wouldn't get hit. And plenty of room in case my neighbor next door needed to pull in and do that kind of stuff. But he had pretty much shoveled out his spot in front of his house, too. Now, I'm going to be honest. If I come home tonight and somebody other than my next door neighbor is parked in that spot, I'm going to be upset. Will I search them out and thrash them about the head and neck? No, probably not, because we'll ask Karen about this, Cody. Remind me to ask Karen for clarification, but I don't think that's legal. I think I could get in in a lot of trouble for that. Uh, Yeah, I think so. The Dibs defense probably not going to hold up in court, unless I get get some of these judges who've been working the... (laughs) The Van Dyke and uh, Laquan McDonald case the last couple weeks. Hi-yo! Then I'll, man, then I'll, you know, I can pretty much do whatever I want. And then I can, you know, I'll skate. You know what I'll use? I'll use my white privilege. That's what I'll use. And then, I'll, yeah, then I'll get right out. I'll get, to, you know, a light sentence or I'll get acquitted. It's going to be perfect. Does that make you woke? No, it makes me anti-woke. Oh. It makes me uh, abusing the system. Mm. Makes me the op- the antithesis of woke. That's not woke at all. That's I, sleep. I'm sleeped. Yeah. I'm not turned. I'm sleeped. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... Or lit. You're not lit. Well, you could oh, be I... lit while you're sleeped. Oh, most you would you would imagine you'd have to be lit. Yeah. If you're sleeped. It's very fetch. You know, I'm going to get thing. a lot of people. I'm going to get uh going to get a lot of people who are going to going to disagree. They're going to oh man. They they're not going to they're not going to enjoy it that I say it's okay for dibs. Now, somebody points out. No. If all if all the spaces are shoveled, then there would be no reason for dibs, correct? Yes, it's not a flaw in my reasoning because just because I shovel out and my neighbor shovels out, that doesn't mean everybody shovels out. So the point the point is, if you don't shovel, you are not entitled to take the spot of someone who did shovel. You do not get to profit from other people's efforts. Didn't you say you didn't want to get into dibs? Yeah. You're getting into dibs, Brian. Right. I'm getting into You're dibs. You're getting deep I'm into stopped. dibs. All right, I'm out. I'm producing for you here. All right, I'm what out. What is it going to be? I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm, but just say... I'm, I'm trying I'm, to help you out. Thank you. I'm just saying I'm 100% behind it. You know? If you've got... Listen. If you've got an old kitchenette set, just sitting on your porch, doing nothing, you're not dining on it, put it on the street. I'm good with it. You got a couple chairs, put them out there. Now, once the thaw comes... Don't leave your your baby's old crib sitting out on the street. You gotta you gotta pull it back inside for next year. But but you know, put something out. Maybe be uh maybe be a little creative. You know, 
get some uh, get some dummies, have them sit on the chairs, whatever you got to do. But I'm all for it. I'm 100% behind it. And if you're not, you're wrong. There. We're out of that. Now we're going to uh, do this, and then we're going to find out what Cody saw at CES. I'm hoping it was some sort of erotic uh, machines, but we'll see. I don't know if that's, if that's the case. We'll find out what happened in Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show after this. WGN. Cody was in Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show last week. Uh, the first question, because we talked about this before you went, did you watch the cooler? Uh, no. That's very unfortunate. All right, I have no more interest in this conversation. That's not true. The Consumer Electronics Show, uh, the biggest unveiling of what's to come technology-wise uh, across the globe. Would I be correct? Yeah, it's a big deal. So what uh, What did you see? What's going? This all happens, what, at the, at the convention center? Is it all over town, or is it just in the convention it's center? It's all over town. Las Vegas Convention Center had a lot of it, but they had huge, just uh, literally thousands of vendors at the Sands. Yes, A lot, a lot sure. of them at the Sands. They had some at the Venetians. Wait, the Sands? The Sands isn't there anymore. Yeah, it is. Oh, did they? Where's the Sands? Uh, good question. I think that's the Sands at the... Oh, I'm thinking of the Dunes, which is <laughs> gone. Okay. <laughs> this is a lot. All right. No, it's, it's, it's the San, Las Vegas Sands uh, in... Um, I don't know. It's connected to Maybe something. Maybe it's new. I it's, haven't been there in a while. Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Doesn't matter. All over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah The Sands, yeah. the Aria, the, the, everyone's got stuff. Um, no, it, it was. it's just insane. If, you, if you've never heard of it or you didn't really follow it, it's... it's, it's Huge companies showcasing technology that often you're not going to see for on the market really for another five to ten years. Okay. When I went in 2011, for example, they were showing off flat screen TVs that were you know a few centimeters thick and and had the curved screens and they were showing 3D TVs you could get and you could watch in 3D without without actually wearing 3D glasses. Okay. Because the way the angles hit. And that stuff that stuff is still kind of cutting edge and on the higher price range in stores now. So that's it's it's looking ahead. So at CES this year, connected everything, smart everything, robotics, really? everything is powered by AI, voice assistants are all I don't, over the place. I, boy, I, that scares me. It's Did terrifying. it scare you at all? They that have it's sh- all AI and everything's... Con- I don't want to be that connected. And I don't want my intelligence artificial. I don't want the machines becoming... Uh, self-aware i saw the terminator (laughs) i know what happens when skynet first of all if i may interject i was correct the sands hotel is no longer there the sands convention center is there got it big difference okay go but uh, to my point that i understand we want to evolve i'm not a luddite but there's a part of me that gets nervous was there anything you saw there that actually made you fear for our future oh yeah such as so there is this there is this um a booth that was i'm trying to look for the uh some robotics uh they had a a display called dense crowd spatial temporal structuring solution huh so they had a camera all right a high definition camera set up pointed at the crowd you walk by it and there was a giant screen and they had four different breakdowns of the crowd they could number everyone in the crowd oh no and with the facial recognition, it could show you how many times each person has walked by that camera, what their general age or age range and gender are. So you just 
Oh, walk no. right in front, and a square pops up over your head, and it says, hey, this guy's walked by four times. Here are the timestamps of when they walked by, male, 18 to 25, or 25 to 30, or whatever they can kind of pin Whoa. you down for. And there was another one where if you walked by, I could tell you the person's mood. Sad, angry, happy, kind of whatever. I'm talking serious minority report level stuff, and yeah, it's doing I... it in real time. Real time. This is happening. It was terrifying. Fortunately, yeah, yes, if you're worried about horrible. if you're worried about your freedom and government surveillance and all that, fortunately, if you go right upstairs, they're showing off 3D printers that are literally printing guns. So, uh, you know, that's where we're headed. Wow. <laughs> surveillance state where you can arm yourself. Oh no. Um it's it's uh it's terrifying. Um Wow, but but the big story the, on the later side of things. Sure, yes. Let's say it's Sunday afternoon. Let's say uh, <laughs> what cool what cool gadgetry can we play with that's not going to take over? Yeah. So you hear about self driving cars and autonomous vehicles all the time. But what I thought was cool was was the innovation behind all this self driving autonomous stuff. So you you've heard self driving car. How about self driving golf cart? That sounds fun. Sounds fun. Not just for golf courses, but less like, traffic on the golf course or at the villages when I get to the the age in my life when i moved to the villages in well, florida with all the other seniors and when i went to belize a few months ago and we went oh, to a yeah, small that's island, right yeah 95 95 percent of the vehicles golf carts okay. so for tourist attractions and in lots of different places you can now have these autonomous vehicles that are very safe i rode in a self-driving golf really? cart. now you said very safe did you after your ride did you feel that they are very safe or are you uh still because i'll be honest i'm i'm not on board no pun intended it was very safe. They to demonstrate the safety feature, they had a guy stand in the path of the golf cart, and once it detected it about ten feet away, you heard a beeping sound, and the golf cart stopped. Really? But I mean, it was going twenty miles an hour and heading up on this guy, and he's just standing there. Um, so it was good. And the thing is, that technology I talked about with the the recognition and being able to identify things that that is terrifying. But that's the software they're using in these autonomous vehicles to identify and not hit people. Well, sure, that's what they say. <laughs> but then we also know that, and you know, the the argument will be: listen, but if that helps us at a festival keep people safe, aren't you willing to? You know, go right, with it. Right. And my, my response would be no. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's the justification. And it is, like you mentioned Minority Report. As Once you started saying that, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. This is, this is Minority Report kind of stuff, where we're now going to be able to see, wait a minute, Cody walked by this same spot five times. Something's, something's hinky. We got to go, we got to go pick this guy up. When you might just be lost or wandering around or just, you know, something interests you and you kept coming back to see it. But now, uh, suddenly, because they can set alerts for, I'm, I'm imagining, they can set alerts for any sort of data that comes in on that software. So if you, you know, if they have it more than three times, more than passing three times, you know, call the authorities. Yeah. Suddenly you're arrested for walking. Well, and you, you said you can set alerts. You can set alerts for anything, and that was part of the Connected deal. One of the Innovation Award winners was a shoe with a that will alert. It's a shoe for baby boomers that will alert your family members if you fall, which is really, I mean, that's great. That's a really cool safety thing for, you know, grandma or grandpa if they've got their shoe. Like, the second they trip and fall, it automatically detect, you know, will alert your, like, family that something happened. Okay, like, that's good, but it's connected. Everything's connected. Yeah, no, we don't... 
I know it, it can be, but hey, well, uh, what happens if uh, you know if Granny's feeling a little frisky, just flips her shoe off the end of the bed? Ha ha! Floop! And then the shoe hits, and then all of a sudden, emergency vehicles are there. And she's like, "Wait a minute! I was just, <laughs> I was just getting undressed to hit the sack." The thing is, there's AI in everything. Everywhere you looked, every sign said AI powered, powered by AI, smart AI. Wow. Every single thing. Um, the other couple of connected uh, driverless things I had to tell you about. Yeah. Golf carts. That's not a big stretch. How about self-driving coolers? Oh, Pe- now now you're talking my language. Go ahead. PepsiCo has a cooler that students at a it's actually being tested at a university in California. Don't remember which one, but you can as a student pull up the app, order refreshments, and a self-driving cooler will find you on campus and give you refreshments. <laughs> And the other, ridic- I can't wait till Taco Bell gets in on the action too at a pizza place. Then I never have to move. Oh man! <laughs> so Come and find me. Oh, I did a, I did a sandwich. And the so other it just thing rolls right up to you. The other thing was self-driving luggage. You've got your rolling suitcase with the four wheels. Yeah, I've got that. That works fine for me. Yeah, well, now it's got four cameras in the handle, and it uses facial recognition technology and recognition technology powered by AI to know who you are, and it just follows you like R2-D2, two to three feet away, and it's connected because you can set an alert, so in case it gets lost- Or or, somebody grabs it. Or someone grabs it, you can set it to beep your watch or have your phone vibrate, so as soon as it gets more than five to ten feet away, you get an alert. I'm telling you, Brian, like this is the level of technology was insane. Were there any robot butlers? I think there were. Actually. I need a, that's what I would like. Robot. Now, see here. This is now I'm going to channel my dad. This is I'm going to sound just like my dad. Uh, and this was this was the reasoning he would use. Like when we were getting a new car, uh, rather than getting power windows, he would not pay the extra. We'd still get the crank up windows, or we would get uh, stay with the basic radio rather than one with a cassette. Because the more stuff say that the more stuff there is to break. Like all right, so I have my AI suitcase, <laughs> and it's going to follow me around, which. On the surface, sounds fantastic, because then you have both hands free to get yourself a cocktail and a uh, home run in pizza when you're going through the terminals at Midway, and you're just wandering along, and your suitcase is following behind. Daddy, don't walk so fast. Oh, you're not my suitcase. You're my child. I forgot about that. But uh, the, what what happens if you're just strolling along, and all of a sudden, either the signal or whatever, whatever powers it goes out, and you're... You know, at gate 16, and your bag died at gate 3, and it didn't beep you, and you're like, where's my bag? Yeah, it's, uh, it, and and my wife has brought this up. It's like, the more reliant we become on yes. these basic things, like you can't even hold your own luggage, no. how lazy and how completely inert and inept are we going yes, to become? we're all the people in Wally. Where you rely on technology for literally everything. I no. mean, someone texted in, can we get the self-driving golf cart to take me to where my ball landed? Um... I, I didn't test this and I can't confirm, but I bet you money. 90% oh, I'm sure you can track your part of the programming in there, powered by AI and connectedness, AI. is that it will measure where your ball is and actually actually go there. So, uh, yeah, it's well, it sounds fascinating and terrifying, and uh, maybe we'll talk a little more Vegas later because I haven't been there in a while. And I want to see what your experiences were outside of the uh, the big uh, convention hall. So, uh, last thing on this on CES. Is this like the auto show where there's a lot of concept products, or are these products that are actually coming to market? Or both? Both. 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 And, okay. and the auto stuff, every time I walk through the auto area, I'm like, what is this? They show off the weirdest 
it's like alien vehicles, like something out of Tron. Right. And, and I, I, you know, We're I never driving those. I haven't owned a car in more than 10 years, so I'm just not a car guy. So yeah. like, literally, I'm walking through, and I'm just like, I don't care. So I just I, walked by. I walked through all those things and go, I can't fit in that car. There's no, they're all made for uh, people who are like five foot three and under. Right. You hey. Know? You heard me. There's nothing wrong with that. And I don't know how tall you are, Pam, but obviously you're five foot three or under because you seem to take offense with that. Yes. Uh, and I'm just saying they built the car for you. They don't build cars for guys who are six five. They just don't. You definitely have to go out and try before you buy a lot, like to make sure you're going to feel comfortable. Yeah. I do too, because being a smaller person, I really want the car to fit me like a glove. I don't want to sure. like, feel like I can't see over the hood. And which... you got to see if you can strap the blocks to the pedals so your <laughs> for your so your wee feet uh, you know can what? run the gas. I'm done with you. <laughs> All right, I will talk to you later. Let's do this. It's WGN. Uh, according to my next guest this is peak dating season if you are uh, looking to find love bella gandhi is the founder of smart dating academy you've heard her here on wgn you see her all over television and uh it's been a while since i've gotten to speak with her so bella welcome it's good to talk to you again it's so great to be here so uh, this is a corner first of all let's tell people uh, who may not know what is smart dating academy so we are, we're like personal trainers for your dating and love lives, essentially. We help you to figure out what's not going right, what your goals are, and then you have a best friend who's also a professional that will tell you, yeah, you should go on another date, that person, and that one, that's like hitting the iceberg. So that's how we help people to date smart and find love. Has it gotten, has it gotten harder to find love and to date? I mean, we hear that all the time. People say that, but in reality... What changed? What what made it harder for us to, to date and find that connection? You know, it's like the old adage, right? If you walk into a grocery store and you've got three bottles of jam, raspberry, strawberry, and grape, you're going to pick one. But when somebody gives you 100 jars of jam, right. you're going to be overwhelmed. And you're like, oh, my God, that's too much jam. I'm out. <laughs> Online dating has, it, for some people, it's been awesome. When you know how to do it right, it can go back to strawberry, raspberry, and grape. But for a lot of people, it's become harder because there's half a million j- jars of jam. And they're like, oh, my God, game over. I can't do this. Shut down, hibernate. Now, would it be easier, and and obviously the apps are not going anywhere, would it be easier for people if they just went, you know what, maybe I'm going to go back to trying things the old-fashioned way and still seek out the Smart Dating Academy for maybe some some tips on how to how to do that, but to put the technology aside a little bit, does, that, does the technology create more of a distance for people? I think it can if you don't know what you're doing, right, and if you let it. I think technology is an amazing tool to find love. The stats say one in three marriages that now take place in this country take place because of online connections through dating sites, through dating apps, through social media. I know couples that have met and married through Instagram, through Twitter. So it's I think it's it's not realistic or a good strategy to say, you know what, I'm just going to ignore my phone and my <laughs> computer. And it's like, because think about it, who wants to be going to the bars five nights a week trying to meet people, no. right? Yeah, yeah that no. was a hassle, because that's, yeah, that's how I met my wife at a bar. But that's, you know, that was a hassle. Right, and and that worked out well. So what it we're did. saying is, don't ignore the bars, guys. But right. also, you can have still your find somebody. Yeah, have the phone. <laughs> See, and I thankfully, well, th- thankfully or not, whatever, I was not around in the dating world during the app thing. Now, Cody, my producer, has used these used the apps back before he was married uh, with various success. So, 
we'll get into how you help people with this, but why, in, I saw in, uh, a story where you were quoted in the Tribus saying, January into February is the peak dating season. Is that because people have uh, are starting to get over their holiday breakups and are looking ahead to the spring and summer? Why is this a hot time of year to be trying to find uh, love? Well, believe it or not, Brian, at this point, almost half of American single, half of American adults are single. The oh, census wow. says 110 million single adults in this country. What do we do at the beginning of January? We make New Year's resolutions. Right. Now, with almost one in two people being single, what do you think is at the top of those resolutions list? Find somebody. Find somebody. I don't want to be single next Christmas, (laughs) right? I want someone to go away with on the 4th of July. So what happens is people really put their toes or their knees or their whole bodies back into the dating pool, and that happens right after January 1st. And this peak dating time really continues till around Valentine's Day. So, guys, if you're single, you're listening, even if you've had bad experiences, good experiences, I'm telling you, this is when the new fish are coming coming to see right now. <laughs> so get yourself online. Sundays are always the busiest days because, you oh, know, really? Friday, Saturday. Oh, yeah, sure we're out. kind of done clubbing, being out, brunching with our friends. So by Sunday evening, it's like, hmm, let's see what's going on on the apps. And so Sunday evenings are the busiest time for apps and sites all week. So get yourself inspired, take some of our tips, and start swiping tonight. Now, some people say, and and I I only know because I've heard friends of mine say this, that, oh, those apps, they're so superficial. But they're not any more superficial than if we're out at a bar or at the grocery store, right? That's how we're attracted to people in the first place, by something visual, how they look or or how they smell, something, something. Something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Pictures are everything in the online dating game. Just like if you meet somebody, to your point, at a grocery store or at an improv club or sitting on the L, right? It's We're all visual creatures. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to put the best version of yourself out there. But no, dating apps, in fact, let's take the reciprocal of that. Not, they allow you to see what people say about themselves, right, when you're yeah. not looking. What kinds of photos do you post? You've got a bunch of shirtless selfies, you know, where with, you know, in the bathroom, you show sure. your dirty shower curtain in the background, or have you actually dressed yourself up? You look good. You look, you know, you look on point in your photos. You can see, has somebody been, you know, has have they never been married? Have they been married five times? Like, you can at least do some <laughs> right. due diligence on the dating sites. Again, no judgment, but versus meeting somebody at a bar, right, you might not know that this person has, you know, five different kids from five different people, right. whereas if you saw online, you would know that this person had five kids. Maybe that's your jam. Maybe it's not. But you can do that kind of due diligence online. It might take you five dates to find that out. Now, since you're talking about online, you know, this is the thing. We can find out pretty much anything we want about people with a very cursory scouring of the Internet. You go to Facebook or Twitter, any 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 social media site, you're going to find this people is that good i mean you you make a good point of you know you'll find out quickly if somebody's been married five times but is there a line where should i leave something to you know the mystery of someone uh, so that i can discover things as i'm on this date so where do i draw the line between cyber investigating and cyber stalking 
what I would say, uh, use the, the litmus test of common sense, right? Do 15 to 20 minutes of research. Go to Google. Google the first name, last name. See what you find. Try Facebook. Try Instagram. And again, all you want to make sure is this person seems like who they said they were and that there's nothing unsavory about them. No, you know, if you don't want to marry someone or if you want to be with someone with a conviction, that kind of stuff usually kind of comes up first. So look sure. to see that this person looks like what they say they do online, maybe works where they do. Just the basic cursory stuff. And the other reason to do this is you can find ways to connect with people. Maybe you see, maybe you're a biker and you're looking through somebody's Facebook because it's a public profile and you can see, wow, they've also taken biking trips through France and Italy and Napa. Now you, then you've got something to connect with people on. Right. So when you actually talk to them on the phone, you can just say, oh yeah, you know, one of the things that, that I love about the summer that's kind of tough about winter is I love getting out on my bike. And you know that person is also a cycler, so and they'll probably go, oh my gosh, me too, I love biking. You don't have to say to them, hey, I went back to your Instagram <laughs> up to 2014, and I looked to see that you had 18 different photos on six different bikes, then you look like a crazy person. Right, but, but you have done that, so aren't you still a crazy person? You just haven't let them know that you're a crazy person? We're all a little crazy. Oh, sure. Right? I, listen, I'm not. I'm not denying that at all. It just, so where do, that? As you describe that to me, there's a part of it that feels, you know, this is a, this is a good thing. The more you can know about someone, the better. But then there's a, a part that if you're not telling them you did that, it seems a little a little shady. And maybe that's just my old way of thinking. Yeah, no, I think everybody's doing it. And quite frankly, you should be doing it. There's nothing shady about it. In today's day and age, you want to keep yourself safe, sure. right? Oh, you right. should look people up. You know, men to women, women to men, you know, everybody. Look, Google this person. Just make sure that they seem okay, right? And it's not, and in fact, I would say you're doing yourself a disservice not to do anything. So even though somebody that I'm going on a date with isn't telling me that they looked me up, I have to assume that they've they've looked me up, they know everything about me that I've shared online. For sure. Okay. It's the safest expectation to have. And I tell people this, Google yourselves, everyone. Google yourself once a month. Put your name in quotes. See what comes up. I've had people that have, you know, very normal first names, last names. There's nothing weird about them. They're a physician. They practice in Hinsdale. But maybe there's someone who has a pretty extensive criminal record in Ohio with the same name. Okay. Right? You want to know to be able to get in front of this kind of stuff and manage it. I know if you Google Belaganda, you're going to come up with a lot of dating stuff, but there's also a pediatrician in Ohio with the same name. Okay. So sometimes people will ask me, were you a doctor before you got into this? And I know that they were Googling me. Sure, of course they were. <laughs> Of yeah. course they were. So um, what's interesting is if you Google yourself, you can also see the terms that people are Googling about you, which always yes. makes me laugh. It is It is funny. I've, I, after I read this and following your advice, I Googled myself the other day. I was like, oh, that's pretty much what I expected. You know, because there's a hockey, the former hockey player. There's a Broadway actor. Uh, so we're the we're the top three Brian Noonans that pop up. So yeah. that's that's the thing. Bella Gandhi is my guest. She is the founder of Smart Dating Academy. SmartDatingAcademy.com is the website. Uh, if you can hold on just a minute, Bella, I want to come back because you, you mentioned sure. pictures and you mentioned what since since this is the peak time, and I know people can download a free online dating guide at the website, but let's let's give people some tips if now they're you know, with half of half of the adults being single, 
we need some tips. We need to, we need to figure out how to make that first step. Maybe they haven't maybe they haven't been part of a dating app yet, and they want to create a profile. So maybe we can uh, we can give people a little help on the as uh, much as you want. Thank you so much. All right, Bella Gandhi is my guest. More with Bella on the other side. It's WGN. Bella Gandhi is my guest. Smart Dating Academy. If you are looking for love, this is the time of year to uh, to be looking. And I was shocked by that statistic, Bella, that half of American adults are single. I don't know why. Uh, maybe just because I haven't been single in so long. <laughs> I forget that there are so many people who are single. Uh, so welcome back. We're glad you're here. This is, uh, this is something that uh, is hard for people because if you've, if you've never been on a dating site, and I, I think probably younger people who are dating, that's, that's a commonplace thing. When you're talking to someone who's single and maybe they're a little older... What do you tell them is the first step to creating a profile? Well, number one, you've got to get a you've got to get some good photos of yourself. You know, I would recommend ideally five to six photos. But even if you've got two right now, start the game. You need a good headshot, and then behind that, you know, is your second photo. You need a good head to toe shot. Now, you should these be people. should these be professional or should they just be candid? Can they just be good candid pictures? I would say initially, just to get yourself started, try candid. See okay. what kind of results you get. If you're not getting the kinds of results you want, then you probably want to up your game and go professional. It's one of the things we do for our clients every single day is ah. professional, cool lifestyle photography. We do it in the West Loop. We've got clients all over Illinois, all over the nation. So it's definitely, um, you know, our clients get, I, I can't even quantify 20, 30 times the amount of hits that they did beforehand because when wow. you, you know, it's, when I draw these analogies, again, we come back to common sense. If, mm-hmm. When most people are thinking about selling their homes, they have somebody come in that's a professional, a realtor, or a photographer, and take beautiful pictures right. of their home to make sure that you've really upped the curve value, right, that it looks sure. great. But with online dating and love, we don't always use those same common sense rules. If you need someone, take good photos of you. Guys, you know, step it up. Look like the man with the plan. Ladies, look feminine. Look pretty in your photos it's really it is not hard to get a date okay <laughs> and i'm sure right now people are going yes it is i've been trying for so long but you're you you must be going about it wrong and i think i think maybe it in you could agree or tell me if i'm way off base people don't think of dating and finding love like they do finding a job or as you mentioned selling a house and that the more the more you lay this plan out you have to put as much thought and effort and planning into finding someone to spend your life with as you do trying to find your next job. Yeah, and for some people, they think it's disingenuous. Well, I don't know. You know, I don't. I, it doesn't feel like me to do right. this. I should. I want to just meet someone in the grocery store. It's like, well, no. Come on, you got to put some effort into this. You have to look at this. Most likely, this person isn't just going to fall from the sky into your lap or deliver your pizza. You know, you're going to have to put some work into this. To your point, excellent analogy. It's like it's like job search, right? You probably aren't going to, you know, put your resume handwritten on a piece of paper. You're going hire a professional to really make it look modern and updated to position you in your best light. You're going to go out and get a new suit, a new briefcase. You're going to practice your talking points, right? The hard Mm -hmm. questions when they ask you, what are your weaknesses? Dating should be no different. So when you're, besides the pictures, which seem to, because that's what attracts us initially to everybody, as we talked about before, besides the pictures, what's the biggest mistake that you see people who come to you and they go, oh, Bella, 
I can't I can't find a date. I can't, and you look at their profiles and you go, well, the pictures we can deal with, but then there's this. Yeah, a lot of the messages that people send just don't make any sense to me. You know, it's you've got to you have to have some writing skills. Again, if you're not a good writer, have someone help you do this. But you have to be able to send someone a message that's going to stand out a little bit from the rest. Besides, hey, hi, with yeah. seventeen eyes or seventeen exclamation <laughs> marks. Like, you know, you got to you got to up your game here, guys. And you can know? we uh, can we stop ha- looking for our partner in crime? Everybody wants their partner in crime. Nobody's committing yeah. that much crime. Can we? Can, right. Do you tell them to criminal. put that away? Yeah, I, I don't a want a criminal. Exactly. I don't want long walks at sunset. I'm just as comfortable as I am watching <laughs> Netflix at home as I am dressed up. Okay, this is about being human. We get that. But sure. what differentiates you? What makes you stand out? And it's really, guys, asking yourself those questions. Like, what's unique to me? Maybe it's some, you know, maybe you grew up in a little tiny town in Louisiana and you were the hula hoop champion. You know, maybe maybe it's where you went to college. Maybe it's what you do for work. Maybe it's the amazing trips that you've been on. You're an avid gardener. There are things that make you you, and putting those things in your profile will start to make a big difference because not only does it make you sound memorable and more interesting, it gives people something to start a conversation with you about. And that's always that's the key because even though we're attracted to somebody visually, you still have to talk to them at some point. Exactly. And the that's goal the key. <laughs> is to get offline and to get on to the date. <laughs> and if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I missed some of that, Brian, how do I? Well, you need to get a hold of Bella Gandhi at Smart Dating Academy. SmartDatingAcademy.com is the website. You can start easy enough. They can go, they can download your guides to online dating, and then they can get started right from the homepage. And uh, Bella's, got, Bella's got the people who are going to help you make yourself better online and help you find that person you are looking for right absolutely and you know what guys if you're on instagram follow us on smart dating academy and like our page on facebook on smart dating academy we're posting several times a week tv segments radio interviews blogs lots of free information and it might be that one shining tip that you need to turn your love life around and the parting thing again uh, we don't need any more uh, shirtless photos from the guys in their dirty bathroom yeah, no, or okay. women. Or, I see just wow. yeah, no dead animals in photos. Ooh. Don't have your friends in photos. I mean, the, like the hunting photos. Oh, like, sure. I, I am. I. The more I think I don't have to talk about this stuff anymore, <laughs> as soon as I get online again, I'm like, oh, there it is again. There's a shirtless selfie. There's a dirty shower curtain in the background. No dead animals. I don't want to know what you ate for dinner last night. We want to see you. This is your personal cyber marketing. Like, we want to look at what you look like, not your kids, not your good-looking friends, just you and only you. Perfect. Thank you, Bella. It is always a pleasure. Let's, uh, let's not make it so long before we talk again. You got it. Take care. That's Bella Gandhi. SmartDatingAcademy.com is the website. News next. Uh, Let's get into this. Now, I know it's gotten a lot of talk this week, but we haven't been here. Cody, have you seen this Gillette commercial about the toxic masculinity? Uh, I watched like 30 seconds of it, then I got bored. Then I got bored. Uh, I'm going to say this at the outset, and if you don't, uh, if, if I really need to say it, you know, sorry. All the topics covered in this commercial are valid. Men shouldn't be sexually harassing anyone. Duh. We shouldn't bully people. Yes, of course we shouldn't. Uh, boys will be boys is an outdated concept. Yes, that it, all of those are true, and I believe all of those firmly. However, I'm not buying in to this, isn't Gillette wonderful trying to get men to be the best they can be? Isn't that fantastic? Please. Please. 
Gillette is a company that is owned by Procter & Gamble. They are in it to make money. It is very easy to hitch your wagon onto these causes. If you haven't heard it, here's here's just a little bit of the uh, here's a little bit of the commercial. Bullying. The Me Too movement against sexual harassment. Masculinity. Is this the best a man can get? Hey, wait! There's their jingle right away. Is it? We can't hide from it. Sexual harassment is taking over. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? <laughs> what I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. But she says And there will be no going back. Yeah, no, there shouldn't be any going back. We, I, I think we've all evolved. Now, as you can imagine, this, and, and here's the danger. Here's the danger of me taking the stance that I'm taking about to take on this. Because people then will lump me into the people who really don't see anything wrong with sexual harassment, bullying, and, uh, you know, quote-unquote toxic masculinity. There's a difference. And just because I think this commercial is a ham-handed attempt at Gillette trying to regain relevance and an easy cop-out to hitch your wagon to a to social problems that are valid and yet pretty much universally supported as being wrong, i.e. sexual harassment, etc. Uh, th- this, th- this is easy. It's, it's simple. And it's a way to make money. And if you, if you immediately attack people who don't buy into this hokiness as supporting those causes, you are making a mistake. You are being led like a sheep to slaughter, or a lamb to slaughter, or someone to slaughter. And if that sounds uh, like a lot, it probably is. It's probably a little bit of an exaggeration. But let's, uh, let's take it to its logical course. Because unfortunately, there are people who have been protesting this commercial who really don't get it. And I'm like, why can't, you know, you're attacking all men. No, they're not attacking all men. They're attacking the behavior of some men. And that should be obvious. But what we have to remember is that Gillette, since Procter & Gamble has, has purchased them, they have lost 30% of their market share. Let's not, let's not forget that as we talk about whether this commercial is valid and whether the people who are protesting it and it has uh so many more if you go to youtube it's got uh 1.1 million dislikes as opposed to 643,000 likes so a lot more people a lot more people than just me are going "Eh, yeah i don't i'm not buying this i'm not do i feel do i feel uh attacked as a guy a little bit but I also feel attacked as a guy when the people who are perpetrating the behaviors that are being protested in this spot, when those people do those things, I feel attacked as a guy too. Because I'm like, you're. why are you doing this? Why are you suddenly painting all of us because you're an idiot? So now Cody and I, who are exemplary gentlemen, if nothing else, and really there's not a lot else, but we are there. I challenge anyone to say we are not exemplary gentlemen. So we get tarnished with the same brush as the idiots who are 
sexually harassing people or saying boys will be boys. And the problem with boys will be boys is there's a kernel of truth in that. If you've been around little boys and little girls, they are different. And that's okay. It's okay for us to say, hey, a little boy is different than a little girl. Does that excuse certain behaviors? Absolutely not. That's when we have to step in as a parent or a responsible adult and go, I understand you're all revved up, but this is not how we behave. So I think it's true that boys will be boys. What else are they supposed to be? Exactly. Boys will be horses? And girls will be girls. And sometimes girls act a certain way and boys act a certain way. And some of those behaviors are perfectly fine. And some of those behaviors are not. And now Gillette is jumping to, well, listen, of course we don't mean all men. We just want one of the quotes from their um, uh, fr- from one of their executives was, "We just want this to be a look in the mirror moment for all men to look in the mirror." Well, let's be honest, Gillette. We don't need you. We don't need you to tell us to look in the mirror. I don't need a corporation to tell me how to behave, and I can see through what you're doing. All right, if you want to weigh in, 312-981-7200. We'll talk a little bit more about this on the other side. But right now, we must take a break. And don't panic if you hear sirens wailing during this because uh, something is coming during the break. And that's okay. We can do that now, can't we? Or do I have to wait another 10 seconds? Should I wait 10 more seconds? I'll wait nine. No, I'm going to wait about seven seconds. Let's be safe. Let's play gonna, it safe. Right, because I know this, like is Gillette. A, this is a government thing. Oh, Gillette, very safe. Very safe. And small. I am strong. Yes, Gillette. Men are men are bad, uh, and some men are bad, and some women are bad. And it's you know. And does this behavior need to change the the uh, bullying and sexual harassment and all that? Yes, of course. And is there still a long way to go? Yes, of course. But is is Gillette the right channel to hear that message is a razor company going to make you if you you know if you if you're one of these people one of these men who use these uh, this behavior this abhorrent behavior is Gillette going to uh, change your mind if you're one of these if you're a good man who sees things being done and you stand up and you've either never behave that way or change your behavior or chastise someone who participates in that behavior. Did you need a razor commercial to tell you to do that? Or are you in uh, the parlance of the day? Are you woke? I don't think, I don't think we need to do this. And again, I go back to this just being lazy. Now, according to, according to Gillette, this was the intent of their ad. Um, We've had a lot of conversations with guys over the years, and sometimes we've not always held up the highest standards of communication. As we reflect on our own purpose, we recognize that we have a responsibility and obligation to step up and improve the language and the expectation that we were setting for ourselves and for guys. This ad is a way for us to do that. Gillette is one of the largest male brands in the world, and we really want to use the platform to advance a more modern, positive version of what it means for men to be at their best. Well, most of your commercials were guys putting lather on their face and shaving and trying to convince us that 18 blades are better than one blade. That's fine. You know, 
Part of being a guy is that you, you have to shave or you don't shave, but, uh, you know, you're looking for razor blades. I have to go back to this, uh, that I think this is just a attention grab to try to regain relevance. And as I read some different things from different people, uh, something was pointed out that uh, Gillette has lost 30%, 30% of their market share. So now we're trying, you know, we as Gillette are, how are we going to convince millennials or people who are buying their razor blades online or they're going through a different, uh, different company? How are we going to get them to buy our razor blades? Well, we're going to get them to buy our razor blades by telling them, look what great people we are. We're, we're holding men's feet to the fire. We're telling men that this is not the best you can be. And while there are a handful of men who believe that that kind of behavior makes them the best man, quote-unquote, that they can be, most of us realize it's not. And, you know, fine. If you want to send that message, okay, but let's not, let's not make it uh, that this came down from high on stone tablets. There's an advertising agency and a company trying to figure out a way to sell razor blades. And somebody texted in and said, well, for, you know, for decades, uh, companies have used half-naked women to sell things. Yes, and for a long time that was accepted. And now more and more companies have been chastised for that, and the conversation has evolved, and people have evolved, and now, you know, while a woman in a bathing suit might be great to sell Florida vacations or bathing suits, it might not be the most appropriate thing to sell vodka. And so companies have been reevaluating that. And society has been reevaluating that and calling, calling people out. So it's, I don't know. I, I saw all these people applauding Gillette. And I watched the commercial, and I thought to myself, well, I'm a guy, and I don't participate in those kind of activities. And if, if I, you know, as a child, maybe bullied somebody, well, I've learned, and I've changed that. And having been around little boys and watching them behave, yes, boys will be boys, but that doesn't, just because you say that doesn't mean you let them run unattended. So all of this is a conversation that needs to continue to happen. Changes continue to be made, advances and evolution need to keep taking place, but let's not, uh, let's not make Gillette the be-all, end-all of social change. Let's not believe that uh, they're doing this for anything other than one reason. And if you're, if you're a little upset because you're like, wait a minute, I don't behave like that, and my friends don't behave like that, and I don't like all men being portrayed as that, it's okay. It's okay to say that. And in this day and age, we're all afraid. We're all afraid to say something like that because then we don't seem like we're down with the cause. And I'm down with the cause. Okay. So can I ask you, Brian? You can ask me something. Play devil's advocate here. Please do. Which I've never done. You oh, you love to play the devil's advocate. You're a toxic devil's advocate. If it's a good, nice message, what's wrong? What's the harm? Why does Gillette the harm, draw your ire? The harm is because they painted, they tried to paint all men and all boys with the same brush. Even though they have the one line in there that we played, although some are already trying to do that. Yeah, but you've you've spent the first minute 
pretty much uh, painting all men as gruesome, uh, you know, predators. And while we, again, I, I feel I have to keep saying this, there, we know that there are some men who are like that. Yeah. Of course there are. But there's, there's a lot of men who aren't. And those men, those men shave. And those men don't need to be preached to. And that's why, that's why they've drawn my ire a little bit. And the fact that everybody is applauding them so strenuously for, um, for doing this, for taking a stand. What are you taking a stand on? That's like saying, you know what, I'm all for air. I think people should breathe more air. Wow, that is a brave stand. It's like saying, don't be jerks. Yeah. Like, can I think of our new show slogan? Uh, Listen d- to the Brian Noonan Show. We say you shouldn't be a jerk. Yes. Brian, taking hard stands on social issues. Be nice to people. Wow, that guy is controversial. He is Progressive. He's the, he's, the saying, he's the savior of all of us. Because he's saying what we all should be saying. Well, most of us are already saying it. No! He's saying what we should be saying. Yeah, I just said it to my friend the other day. No! Gillette with their Mach 780 razor. You know, 15 blades shave smoother than one because they lift my skin and separate the hairs. That's what I want to know from Gillette. You don't need to give me the moral high ground, okay? Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. There are... All right, uh, let's see. Hi, Brian. There are some men who should probably change their behavior toward women. Agreed 100%. But those men have, have to be open-minded towards doing that. I don't think a commercial is going to change those men's minds. If a closed-minded man is watching the Gillette commercial, he won't recognize his behavior needs to be changed, so the commercial won't make any difference. That from Mary. Exactly. If you're, if you're that much of a uh, Neanderthal that you think those kind of, uh, those kind of behaviors are okay, this commercial is not going to uh, not going to change your mind. I think my problem is there's a psychological um, uh, thing that we all have. It's called reactance. It's right. a psychological behavior, and it's when someone tells us something um, that we perhaps don't agree with or that we don't have a certain freedom that we will kind of like push back against it. Mm-hmm. And messages like this told in an inauthentic way and it presented as blanket statements yes. make some people, even if you agree like you do, right. even if you agree with the sentiment, you kind of don't like that that person or that brand or that message. Yeah. And uh, you saw a lot of this in the 2016 election, which I will remind people who won that election and it wasn't the person doing messages like this. So brands and politicians have to be careful how they tell messages like this it well, doesn't matter how nice the sentiment is you got to do it in an authentic way that people will listen to and not paint with broad brushes that you're talking about and it's very difficult for a brand to take on a social issue mm-hmm. very hard in an authentic in way. an authentic way think about kendall jenner and pepsi <clears throat> bomb all right, uh, let's do this. On the other side, man, we're all worked up. It's a Sunday afternoon and we are worked up. We'll continue being worked up over teens uh, who are jerks. <laughs> and yes, unfortunately, most of them were men. Toxic masculinity once again. You know, it's 5 o'clock, so here's a guy who always comes in early. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about you, Roger, uh, because, you know, the big snowstorm hit on Saturday morning. We know you yeah. like to work the overnights on Friday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you like to, but you do. I do. Uh, of course you do. You get to you <laughs> hang with uh, Carl and uh, Lisa and yeah. everybody else, all the overnight Ernie. folks and Ernie. Sh- yeah. Ernie? Ernie? Who, Ernie? Ernie Skin. 
Is that their producer? No, no, no. Ernie's the um, uh, engineer. Oh, Ernie's engineering yeah, at that yeah, point? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. forget. Yeah, because Aubrey, Aubrey's not yeah, here anymore. Right, All right, right, forget it. Right. Uh, well, that's very, very nice. So um, the big question was, how did you get home? Because the snow was starting in the overnight hours, yeah. and uh, everybody knows your pension for putting yourself in harm's way because you love the attention. So uh, I woke up yesterday morning, and I thought to myself, geez, I could probably go to social media and find out everything I need to know about uh, Rogers Travels Home, which I did. But I also <laughs> I also wanted to find out... Uh, but that was the long story. Yes. I, yeah. I, I don't have time to read... Listen, I, I could read books in less time than uh, to read your social media posts, all 78 of them. Uh, I'm very upset now. The, uh, the Rams just tied the Saints. Yep. If I'm uh, if I'm not rooting for the Bears, I'm rooting for the Saints. So, oh, oh well, because you're sure, love, love for love New Orleans, love yeah. New Orleans, everything about it except the roads, the drivers, the uh, bugs, the humidity, everything else. I love about it, <laughs> love it. All right, so did you take yeah. Lakeshore Drive? Yes, I of did. course you did. Of course. Uh, only because you are one, you're hoping to get stranded again, or two, yes. there's no other way home. What's, uh, what's well, there's the, other ways home, sure just a are. lot longer, and and with my schedule, I just want as much sleep as possible. Of so, course, you want to uh, just as quick as I can get home. That's what I'll. Was it uh, treacherous? Uh, At least further, tell us it was treacherous. The further north I got on it, yes, it was. The okay. uh, the lines were covered. The, oh, yeah. the dividing lines were covered, so it was hard to stay in the lane. And there were not that many cars out. There's on the northbound side. Oh, right, side. yeah. So the the wheel ruts were not really there. So you, you couldn't tell where the lanes were. Thank goodness there was not a lot of traffic, very little traffic. And this was at... Uh, about 6 o'clock Saturday morning. I'm always amazed that just because it snows, and mm-hmm. great, you know, we know you can't see the lines, but this right. isn't the Bird Box Challenge. No. You know there are still lines there. Oh, sure. So you can see, uh, you know, you can't just drive down the middle of the road. You have no. to try to no. stay to one side or yeah. another, and even if it's not plowed or not completely clean, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, I didn't have a problem. Uh, usually... Uh, Saturday mornings when I'm going home, there are dozens of cars of all shapes and sizes <laughs> that are doing like a hundred really we're miles not an we're hour. not living in Moscow where all the cars are the, exactly <laughs> no, the same. Okay, no. I'm just checking. Good for interchangeable parts, uh, but uh, uh, but they're going like hundred miles an hour on the drive well, going sure. north. I don't know what they're in such a hurry for unless they overslept and are or, late. And no, they got to get. You're no, still late. They got to get home before uh, you know their wives wake up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've been out Could doing be God reason. knows what. I'm just saying. i got to hurry up. Yeah. i got to get rolling. Uh, there was only one car that was uh, um, doing about 60. See, that's just dumb. Yeah. At that point, it, not that you deserve to crash, but you deserve to crash. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, but it the was problem is, yeah. the problem is when they crash, they're not just crashing their own car. They're going to crash right. into you, or they're going to uh, close down the lanes, and then everybody's yeah. going to be sitting, and then the snow's going to come, and you're going to get stranded, and then you're going to uh, you call in because you've been in your car for 17 hours. And, uh, you know, that's how <laughs> Roger, that's how Roger, yeah, yeah that's frostbite and a bad, yeah. uh, bad engine. Um, but, uh, so it wasn't too bad, but again, just like 2011, the northbound lanes no plow trucks, no salt trucks. Southbound lanes, four trucks, side to side, plowing and salting like there's no tomorrow. All right, now you're a reporter. Right. You're a newsman. Why yeah. can't you call the city and find out why that is? Or can you? Uh, I was Should going you? home. All right. I, no, there was no reason because they they no were reason. out. They were out. It's just at that was time the snow when I was coming driving. so fast that again, like they were doing the. They may have done the north, or they were doing the north next. What might have happened is that there were just those four trucks. Yeah. And the city so they, only has four. Well, for the drive. Okay. 
each ward has their own plow right. truck. Uh, they can add plows to garbage trucks, sure. which I don't remember seeing a notice that they were doing that, hmm. that the city was doing that. So okay. I would imagine that, and, and Lakeshore Drive is a long road, so... And, this, and let's be know, honest, this was not a major big, snow no, event. No, I mean, no. we got a lot of snow, yeah. and, and but nothing... But I, listen, I left the house yesterday morning at about 10.30, between 10.30 okay. and 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harlem Avenue was fine. It was yep. just wet. 290, 294, or I was on 55, 294, LaGrange Road in Harlem. They were all fine. Okay. Everything was perfect. So we knew it was coming. We, t- sure. we being the city and the state, then everybody knew it was coming. It was fine. There were patches in the state that um, really got hit with a lot of the blowing snow. Oh, yeah. So nothing that the uh, state could have done, IDOT could have no, done, would down, have kept those roads clear. I know 57 had a lot of problems down right. in southern Illinois. I know mm-hmm. 55 had some problems, as, as we always do every sure. winter. And that's, sure. it you know, that's, why, uh, that's why I curse the winter. That's why I curse it Darn every day. You. No, it's just, it, you know, Cody <laughs> loves it. Oh, Cody's, oh, look at how pretty the snow like, is. You know, if, pretty, if pretty, Cody pretty. could stand outside in front of his place and people pack snow around him so he could be a living snowman, that would be like his coolest thing. Yeah. I don't know. Dude. <laughs> Can I bring my machete? No, no machetes. Have you ever made a snowman? I can't bring my travel machete. Of course I made a snowman. I don't know. God, I grew up in the, the Midwest. All right, but I'm going to tell you this. I grew up in the Midwest, too. Did you I, not build a snowman? I tried every year to make a snowman. I always end up making a snowman that looked like, you know when you drive by a field at harvest time, and they've got the the wheat is all in a big circle? It's not a ball. It's just rolled up like you were rolling up sod or carpeting. Because mm-hmm. I could never figure out how to, how to you know, I'm not Charlie Brown. I didn't have a, I'm, well, I, I am like Charlie Brown. I couldn't <laughs> yes. make a nice ball. I would have, I would just keep, because I would just keep going, and then I'd go, oh, this is not looking good. It looks like a pinwheel. And then I would try to flip it the other way, and it never... To round it to out. To round it yeah, out, right. and that was always a nightmare. <laughs> so it was, uh, my snowmen looked like they were pinwheels covered in dirt and grass, and it just, it, it was never a, a good experience for me. I didn't but enjoy you, it. See, the way you get it rounded is you do that flipping like the sod thing, and then once you get your three sections up, then you do your artwork, like sculpting. It. Oh, you bring it. So you bring you're not making s- a ball. You're no. you're making the thing and then adding the snow to make y- a ball. Got, exactly. Why? Where were you when I was a kid? I, I didn't know that you I could have written an instruction book for you. Well, I, listen, I didn't have role models. <laughs> uh, you know, I grew up without role models. Like a wild animal on the street trying to make a snowman. What's that face for? Explains so much. Uh, sure, of course. I'm a guy who didn't know how to make a snowman. I knew I, I could make a snowball, which I wish right. I had too, because I, I knew who I'd whip them at right now. And I would, uh, y- yes, you're right, asking me would I put a rock in the middle of them? You bet I would. I'd put a nice rock right in the middle of the snowball, and then I would hurl it. Or I'd get the slush from the gutters, uh, Ooh, from the, you know, and I'd make, make it, ball. yeah, an ice oh, ball. Oh, yeah. And you two would be making different faces. But you get a nice ice ball right between the eyes. Thwap! That's what I'm talking about. No, but so I, see, I never really, this is, wow, it's embarrassing at my age to be finally figuring out how to make a snowman. I never realized that once I had the, the role, yeah. Then I just would bring up snow and create sure. it by hand. Right. It depends, of course, on the size of your yard. And, oh, sure. My snowmen, uh, I would actually go to the forest preserves. So oh, they were gargantuan. Okay. Oh, nice. uh, my My cinnamon roll snowmen were about 18 feet tall. Wow. But they were very thin because I, I hadn't rounded them out. Was, now, what did you use for, uh, did you bring your own condiments, the carrots? Wow, and the I don't, I was not, and... uh, I'm trying to keep this family friendly, Roger. 
I don't know what you're talking. And it's a snowman. I'm not getting. I don't know what kind of freaky deaky you're into. Well, Do you no. hear that, Cody? He's getting all freaky. Carrot for the what nose. Kind of, what kind of condiments you bring? Right. Up? Yeah, condiments <laughs> constitute that I'm going to eat it first of all, or you're going to add to it. That's all. You're accoutrements. Put... Is that what you're saying? My my sure. accessories. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't. What'd you what you use for? What am I going to uh, coal? Am I going to find yes. coal somewhere? How yeah. much coal do you have hanging around in the winter? Now, granted, you grew up in the 1800s in a Dickensian workhouse, yes. so you probably had more the coal, coal trucks came and sure, and, and they're right down the chute, chute yes. where you were living. Yeah, uh, so you probably had coal. Oh, I did. Yeah. I was not privy to coal. At, you know, wait a minute. Just at the did you barbecue during the summer? Did you guys barbecue during yeah, the summer? Of course, you have coal we're, we're not for animals. the summer, right? Sure, and then my dad would either it either be gone or he would have left it outside, and the bag would have uh, rotted, and everything would have gotten thrown out. Well, could have taken some, like like what do you need? Like a perfect charcoal briquette for yes, your snowman? You know, I'm a perfectionist. Yes, you are. You know, I've got I've got a lot of needs. <laughs> of course, oh boy, one of them you. one of them is how to make a snowman. Uh, this is a, you know now I'm listen. I'm not. A, I'm not a man who's afraid to uh, admit his uh, vulnerabilities, mm, his foibles. No, that's true. Um, but that was a, no. I and I never. I don't think we ever had a carrot. For the nose. No, right, I don't think right. we ever did any of that stuff. Okay. I think. Yeah, I know we didn't, and I don't <laughs> even think when Molly. Maybe when Molly was a kid, we tried making a snowman, uh, but I kept it small. So oh, that I sure, didn't sure, well, sure be, well cuz yeah. I didn't want her to I didn't want to get to that point in front of her and go well, I don't know it's a cinnamon roll man <laughs> it's a, look it's three pinwheels figure it out because uh, she would have seen right through my ruse I go you don't know how to make a snowman do you yeah and then I would have dropped about you know six more uh, levels in her eyes of course she already she already had already. she already had trouble going oh look my old man he's he's got it on the ball yeah hey did you ever make a snowman with you yeah he tried it was uh, yeah, we don't talk about it the snowman incident from uh, 2006 no. that's no. you you don't do that Cody looks like he's gonna vomit are we keeping you from something I was just deep in thought yeah. about childhood snowmen snow forts sledding to snow forts I'll make snow ice, forts I made ice sculptures. All the what, thing. You're putting me you in the You're putting me in the winter spa- what, I wasn't. I was. What do you just, have? So you have chainsaws at the house. I, you know, you Rock, just, uh, Rock, Rockford used to have this festival called First Night, and they would do this fire and ice, which is just a giant pillar of ice, and they would light a bonfire in the middle, and then you would just watch it slowly melt and then collapse, and it was awesome. That it sounds so like cool. the worst festival like in the Rockford. history of festivals. What? It was no, so cool. It was, sounds awesome. <laughs> it was super yes. cool. Giant blocks of ice. I mean, we're talking like 15 feet high. That is, that is like the most low budget. Listen, we got $18. You guys want to do a festival? Yep. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Stay with me because I've, I've planned this out. I'm going to run it by the city council. Budget's like 22. I know we got 18. I think I can get the four bucks from them. We're going to start a fire. You with me so far? Yeah, that doesn't sound very wintry. Hold on. We're going to take a block of ice and melt it. A giant block of ice. Like a, giant. Like Not a, just any block like of a ice. Bunch, it wasn't one block. It was a bunch of blocks stacked like a Stonehenge kind of what, structure. What, you run to Jewel and get a couple of those? Go to Costco, get those big bags of ice cubes? Here's what we got. We got 40 pounds of cubes. We're going to melt them. Stand back. Make sure you're wearing, uh, you know, water-resistant boots, because it's going to get floody up in here. <laughs> I'm sorry you're jealous that I saw something so cool when I was a child in Rockford. Cody, I, I watched the same thing last night in my ice water at dinner. Did you? Sure. I had a glass of water, put yeah. ice in there, and it melted. And was, was it like, a bonfire? Ooh. Was it a bonfire? Ooh, a bonfire? 
bonfire. No. Two words. I, no, I don't think. I it's think bonfire one. is one, one word. word. I, but I think bonfire I'm, is a single word. I'm yeah. saying two syllables. Two. You're I'm enhancing it. You're, you're <laughs> emphasizing it so it sounds like two words, and yet I believe it to be one word. Yeah. That's just, yeah. That's what happened. No, but I went to the, I have gone to the, in St. Paul, they have the big ice castle and the whole winter thing up in the Twin Cities. It's a beautiful winter festival, uh, marred only by the fact that it's in the Twin Cities in the winter, (laughs) where the last time I saw it, I think the air temp was minus 15. And I'm not exaggerating. Um, It was deadly. And there's, I don't care how cool it is to watch ice melt by a bonfire. Um, (laughs) If it's that cold, there's nothing cool outside. But giant. if you stand close enough, you'll be warmed by the bonfire. No, I'm going to be wet from this giant well, block of ice boots. that's going to melt. The giant block of ice that's going <laughs> to... And then the pond of was mud. The, that... Was the fire in encased in ice? Yes. So Look the fire that. burned in the middle of ice. There were a bunch of pillars of ice, like four. So they surrounded like Stonehenge, like, with, what I'm f- with fire in the middle. Giant blocks of ice with fire in the middle. And how long? How long <laughs> would the people of Rockford stand and gaze at these melting ice orbs? It would take like 10, 15, 20 minutes. I don't know. And then like it melts away from the inside. It was mesmerizing. And then what's left yes. of the giant blocks? It all collapses in this climactic. <laughs> Climax of climax. Hold on, a climactic climax. So many. <laughs> you climaxes. didn't. T- you didn't tell me that was part there of it. There were multiple structures, so there were multiple climaxes. In fact, that's the best way to have an experience at night when it's cold in uh, Rockford. <laughs> I'm going to say pretty much anywhere. All right, Roger. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to yes, you during sir. news time. Uh, I've got to go uh, start a fire and get some ice. A lot of things to do. People on the text line demanding that we fight because uh, they can't believe we've been arguing about this. Uh, Fifth night, first night? First night. It was a festival to bring in the new year. Festival of Melting. In Rockford, Illinois. Very nice. Well, and it doesn't go anymore? I don't believe so. You know why? Because people... Oh, why, why, are we, why, why are we watching? Why are we watching ice melt? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm starting in the fall. I'm starting a new uh, festival, Cody, where we go and we watch paint dry. It's going to be really cool. Hey, one year at first night, my dad played bagpipes with Cheap Trick. Now, see, that's cool. That was cool. That's cool. That's 100% cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah. (laughs) They haven't done first night. I mean, they did it in 2004, but it... Oh, that's a long time ago. It was at least 10, 15 years ago. Well, let's bow our heads and uh, RIP first night in Rockford. It was fun. I liked it growing up. Rockford's well, uh, sure, making kid. a comeback, you know. I listen, I have nothing but love for Rockford. You know that. Mm-hmm. Nothing but love for Rockford. Uh one of the most dangerous cities in the world. <laughs> but that that festival sounds like it needs something else. If you are looking for a new pet, this is the week to do it. If you want a puppy or a kitten, pause is waiving adoption fees on overlooked pets for a week. They were spo- it was supposed to end tonight, but with the weather They've decided to extend this for a week. So, New Year, New Home. It's the event at Paws Chicago. Um, It goes until Sunday, January 27th. The Paws Lincoln Park location is open from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, Sunday noon, uh, Sunday... Saturday and Sunday, eleven to six. So they're they're open for another half hour today, noon to seven, Monday through Friday. So if you've thought to yourself, I really want to add a uh, 
dog or a cat to my life, this is the week. Um, these are pets that have been overlooked during their time at Paws and, quote, didn't find a home in time for the holidays, end quote. Uh, cats and dogs are available as part of the new home event. So along with the fee waiver, Paws will also offer a free consultation with a cat or dog behaviorist to new pets and their parents. So this is the time. Go to pawschicago.org to get all the details. Uh, very nice. As much as my two dogs drive me absolutely crazy, and I mean absolutely crazy, it does add a lot to your life. So if you are looking, this is the week. Go to Pause. They do great work. PauseChicago.org. Uh, all fees waived. Did you ever get that cat? You were talking about a cat. Nah, pet free for now. All right, maybe this is the week. Maybe this is the week you change your mind. We do have our Norfolk Island Pine Christmas tree bush thing. Then the, oh, the cat would love it. It's like an animal. You know what else cats like? Watching ice melt. All right, we got to do this. And then it's news time on WGN. Oh, man, Cody, if this were a sports show, we would be all over this uh, Rams-Saints game. The Rams won. They beat the Saints 26-23. However, huge controversial non-call with uh, just a couple minutes left in the game. And uh, that will be that'll be all the hot takes in the sports shows tomorrow. Oh, man. How the, how the refs cost the New Orleans Saints the Super Bowl, which, having broken down the film, as you know I like to do during commercial breaks or during the news while I'm listening to Pam, I'm breaking down film, game film, because uh, I still long to go back to the days uh, when I was hosting a sports show. Uh, My hot take is the, uh, the Saints were robbed, and these officials need to be not only dragged through the Mississippi River, but uh, eviscerated and then sent on their way because that is uh, no good, no good. A non-pass interference call costs uh, my second favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, the Super Bowl. It's times like these when I'm actually upset that I don't have a fetish for hearing grown men scream about balls being thrown in the air. Listen, you need because to... man, the next few days would oh, just be bliss for me. Well, sure. And now then after tonight, after the Kansas City New England game, then you've got your two Super Bowl teams, you get two whole weeks. You get two whole weeks of Super Bowl uh, excitement. Screaming. People just going crazy, breaking it down. Every facet of the game. Is Tom Brady the greatest of all time? Will he be able to take on, you know, uh, whoever? It, it just, it's insanity. I will say, I walked through, I was walking through the casino at The Win on Sunday after right, CES, yeah. and I yes. walked by the sports book area. Those are fun to, to watch. It is fun. I've never, I've, I shouldn't say that. I think I placed a bet there once. Uh, but it was for somebody else. So they gave me the money and they wrote down exactly what they wanted me to do. So like, hey, put a put twenty bucks on this game or whatever. Uh, oh, okay. Um, but I've never. I, I have watched them and they are fun. But I've never been. Uh, I've never been really part of it. I've never bet in one of the sports books. I don't even know how. I don't know how the sheets work. I don't know how any yeah. of it works. But just watching everybody sitting around having brunch or lunch. Oh, sure. Wa- and they're watching the game. Watch the game, and you know, just from just ballpark from the people sitting there there's at least four hundred thousand dollars in bets just riding on those people right there maybe a million or more well they're watching not only you know the big ones the nfl the nba baseball but then they're watching horse racing from around the country oh yeah Uh, they're watching mma fights they're watching lacrosse they're watching guys play high lie in miami going i put a thousand dollars on that game they're watching you know football or football. Soccer. Yeah, they're watching soccer. Yeah. I'm trying to be, listen, I'm trying to be uh, international. 
I'm, I'm, I have uh, open borders in my soul, Cody. Really? While I built a wall around my body, my soul has an open border. Can that be the new tagline of the show? Sure, whatever you want it to be. I thought it was don't be jerks. We could have more than one tagline. Yeah, let's have several. Right, you got to brand it. We, gotta, <laughs> we want to have the most confusing branding ever. Fine. Do you not want to? Whoa. What was that? Is it a call? Somebody Phone calling in? Call. Is it our marketing department? Let's find out. Like, hey. That or our legal department. <laughs> what could be the, you're not supposed to say Super Bowl, ever. Is that still a rule? I mean, we're not using it for, we're just having a conversation. We're, we're not using it to, uh, to sell anything. We're just, uh, we're just actually talking. All right, on the other side of the news at 6 o'clock, Hody Snitch is going to join us. They are playing at the Cash for Kids Festival, which is happening next week. At the Irish American Heritage Center, it is Chicago's only uh, Johnny Cash Festival. So we'll learn all about that and hear from uh, the band on the other side. Sometimes uh, things are real, and yet when they are pointed out, people get upset. And they begin to say, oh, you know, why are you being racist? Why are you generalizing? Why are you doing this? And that's what's happening to a professor at the University of Houston. He's an engineering professor. Uh, he was supposed to be addressing new graduate students, so he wrote them a letter on possible issues uh, that they may have in class, one being body odor. Now, his critics are saying that it is disappointing, insensitive, and outright racist. Let me read you the letter, and then you can tell me if this is uh, any of those three things, or none of them, or... You know, if a professor has a right to ask his students to do certain things. Welcome to campus. This is the letter. Welcome to campus. I would like to mention one sensitive issue that we need, we do need to discuss. The issue has to do with personal hygiene and being considerate of others. This note is in no way to offend you and is being sent to all the graduate students. All right, so everybody's getting it. Everybody gets it. People from different parts of the world have different food habits, and many Americans do enjoy ethnic foods. People from India use a lot of spices, and people from other Southeast Asian countries use a lot of garlic, which has lots of health benefits. However, there is one problem, and this that's where he got in trouble. But we'll go back to that. But those two sentences are where he got in trouble. Like, How dare you? However, there is one problem. The body odor due to consumption of these foods becomes strong. Also, several of our students do not change their shirts daily. The shirt may not look dirty, but has absorbed one's body odor after wearing it a whole day. To make matters worse, Houston is very hot and humid most of the year, and the perspiration from our body adds to the odor problem further. There are some th- here are some things one can do and must do. Please take a shower every morning. If you have a quiz or test, please do not skip taking a shower. Most Americans shower twice daily. I don't believe that. Once in the morning and once before going to bed. Is that true? Do you shower more than once? One time. That's it. Uh, Please use deodorant antiperspirant or a light perfume after taking your shower. Please change your shirt on a daily basis. These are all the same rules, ironically, that I gave to Cody before, you know, like you got to do all this. If you eat spicy, garlicky food, please use mouthwash. The person having the odor is the last person to know it. However, it is not bearable for someone sitting next to you for an hour and a half or for an hour and a half or longer. So please be considerate to others beginning today. Remember, you are the ambassador of your country and do not want people to remember you as the one having bad owner. Once again, we sincerely hope that your stay at the University of Houston is a true learning experience for you. Now, again, this was written by an engineering professor. 
And some people have said, this is racist. This is divisive. It's disappointing. It's insensitive. Uh, One, I think it's a shame that he has to write this to grad students. I think when you get to be grad student age, you should know that, you know what? You got to shower. And I know if I eat a lot of garlicky food, not only do I have to make sure I brush my teeth and use a breath mint, but I know when I sweat, it's going to smell like garlic. Now, a lot of the lot of the problem comes because of, the, as I pointed out, the sentences, um, people from India use lots of spices, and people from other Southeast Asian countries use a lot of garlic. People are saying, well, why, I don't think it's appropriate. Why, why would he point out these two groups? Well, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe in his experience as an engineering professor with his, with his engineering grad students, perhaps he has a lot of grad students from India or from Southeast Asia. And perhaps that's, you know, why he seems to use single out or use those two places and those people as an example. Now, if that's true... And he's had this experience, and other people in his class have either complained about it, brought it to his attention, uh, there's been talk amongst the staff. Is it wrong to then say, hey, guys, you know, this is, a, this is an issue? I don't think it is. I think you have the right to say it. Now, is, is a letter to all the grad students the best way to do it? Well, how, you know, is it, is it better that way? than to call somebody aside. I think it's more embarrassing to do it that way. To say, you know what, uh, I'm gonna call I'm gonna call this student over here and say, hey, listen, you know, we noticed uh, you wear the same shirt every day. Now granted, even if you're a struggling college student, a struggling grad student with not a lot of dough, there's a good chance you have a number of T shirts. Because we all know if you're in college you can go anywhere and get free T shirts. There's always some uh, alcohol company uh, around campus. There's always some swag being given away. You can get free T-shirts. That's the one thing you can always have in in college is T-shirts. So I don't. I I'm try. I was you know I'm always looking for perceived slights. Real. I'm looking for slights, real or imagined, and I can't find any in this letter because now I am not affected by somebody who sits next to me and stinks. Because I can't smell. But Cody, you're you're a man who has a sense of smell. If somebody's sitting next to you and they reek, would you want somebody to say something to them? Yeah. Especially if it was every day when you came into your engineering class, every day this man or woman sat down next to me and man, they it just it's like somebody died in their head. Yeah. I, I don't there's not some hidden subtext no. of oppression happening any time anyone opens their mouth. If some people smelled bad, he just said, hey, stop smelling bad. Right. It doesn't mean he's racist or sexist. No, or you know who should be embarrassed? Phobic. The people who don't shower. Yeah. They're the ones. You're 20. So you're, I'm getting grad student. You're probably 22 to 25 years old, maybe older. Well, because what do you, you graduate when you're like 21 yeah. with your undergrad? 21, 22. So let's say, you, let's say you're over 20. You should know you have to take a shower. You should know you can't wear, you know, the same clothes every day. You should know that whatever food you like, and I love Indian food and I love Asian food, 
and I love garlicky food. But I also know that they have odors and scents that some people do not find pleasant. You know? So yes, we are not we're we're also hyper vigilant about finding offense that we're finding it everywhere. One could even say it's like a witch hunt for offense. Sometimes a spade is a spade. Right. Sometimes you smell. And sometimes Indian food is stinky. Yes. And sometimes if you don't bathe in humid weather, you stink. Oh, wait. That makes you Indian food phobic, Brian. No, I love Indian food. Nope. Nope. Impossible. I just had Indian food a week and a half ago. Nope. Doesn't matter. Facts don't... Come on, Brian. We're in a post-fact world. I know facts don't matter. But, you know, get in line. If you... Listen, if you you find a fence with me, (laughs) guess what? You ain't the first... (laughs) <laughs> Hang on. 312-981-7200. Tom wants to jump on. Hi, Tom. Yeah, I was just curious if that professor had tried uh, the one-to-one approach in, in prior years. <laughs> it doesn't, you know what? <laughs> it didn't work or something? It, yeah, it doesn't say if he's if this is a new way of dealing with it for him or if he had tried the one-on-one approach. And quite frankly, I think this way is much less embarrassing and uh, than, uh, than the one-on-one. Because imagine if you're a 22-year-old uh, student and your professor has to call you aside or has the, the TA call you aside because you stink. That's going to be mortifying. This way, everybody gets the note, and you can read into it that it's you or not. You know, it's, If it's not you, that's cool. If, it, if you are Johnny McStinky, then maybe you, take a, maybe you take a shower tomorrow. Well, I, you know, body odor is one thing, and I would... I would find it very, very difficult to stay in that classroom. But, like, people who eat a lot of Middle Eastern or Indian food, I've never heard of such a thing of them uh, in any way, shape, or form. I've had problems, and Tom, thank you for the call. I've had problems, um, like Debbie has told me, if we've we've gone out for Italian food the night before and it had a lot of garlic in it, that that scent will stay with you the next day, you know, and you'll start to, you you can sweat it out. And so you'll smell like a clove of garlic. And I'm so I'm sure it's the same way for, you know, I don't want to single any food out because, Cody, God forbid, I make anybody uncomfortable by, by mentioning, you know, uh, that. Uh, now a texter with a different point of view. I think he was specifically targeting those groups. It has nothing to do with hygiene. It has to do with the foods they eat. Americans smell weird to them as well. I know firsthand exactly the smell he is talking about trying to mitigate. Um, you know, it, my theory, my theory is that maybe these are, maybe these are the majority of students he has in his class. Maybe the majority of his grad students are either Indian or from the, the, uh, what did he say? I don't want to use the wrong words to get, uh, to get people upset. Um, Southeast Asia. So maybe a lot of his grad students are from those areas. Again, I don't think I don't think he's being divisive. I think I think he's stating a fact and asking, you know what? Yes, and if I listen, if I eat, I don't know, I, again, I'm a bad guy to ask about smells, but if I were to eat a food that maybe people from India or Southeast Asia haven't had before and it smells weird to them, I think he's covering it here too. You know, if you if you eat different things and you give off an odor, please shower. That's all. Your thoughts after this, WGN. They interviewed a number of students, uh, some Indian students. Some, as you can imagine, were offended by this. Some said it's no big deal. 
that we know uh, the the one person who said, being Indian, I'm not offended. I know all these things smell, right? So, And being from a different country, we are representing our people here, so might as well leave a good impression on them and not smell bad. Another one said, uh, it's really bad, being an Indian myself. It's bad to really point out that out in such a dramatic way. So the 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 issue comes from the fact that he pointed out two two ethnic groups and their food. Uh, again, if if his class, if his experience is with is with those groups, I don't see a problem with it. Now, uh, they they of course of course talk to a school of etiquette, and I didn't even know those things still existed. That to me seems like a very nineteen thirties kind of thing. We're going to go to a school of etiquette, finishing school. That's where we that's where we should have gone, Cody, a finishing school. Even though we are uh, nothing but a wonderful gentlemen, as we pointed out earlier, we should have gone to finishing school. The Monica Lewis School of Etiquette says uh, the professor could have taken a different approach. They say. Uh, quote, you should address a personal issue with the person. Don't do a public statement. You're not a part of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Don't generalize. Don't make stereotypical comments. And don't isolate the person. Well, if you call somebody over to the side, you are definitely isolating the person. That's the, that's the definition of isolating someone. Pulling them away by themselves. You are isolating them. Uh, you know, you could argue that uh, he is uh, making stereotypical comments. But uh, if it's true, you know, people from parts of the world have different food habits. That is true. Um, People from India use a lot of spices. Well, so do, obviously, so do other cultures. But again, if he's dealing with a lot of Indian students, they would understand that. Uh, People from Southeast Asia use a lot of garlic. Obviously, so do other cultures in their cooking. But again, if these are if these are the students he's dealing with, you know, I think it's fine. I think I think again we're going we're going back to hypersensitivity about everything, and this does not mean that there are not some people who do offensive things and say offensive things and uh, should rethink how they say them. Uh, you know, you could argue should he maybe have been a little bit more delicate. I don't know. I, I again. Not being Indian or Southeast Asian, I don't, I'm not uh, really finding an issue with this, but that is that. All right, listen, we've gotten all worked up about a number of social topics. How about we hear a little good country music? We're going to do that on the other side of the news with the guys from Hody Snitch. We'll do that after this on WGN. Everything good in there? You all set now? You're you're all warmed up and ready uh, to go? Oh, everything is hunky-dory. We're going to have some fun now. You're going to warm things up even more? Well, yeah, because we've been uh, talking about a lot of issues. We get all worked up, and now Mm. it's time to have a little fun for a good cause. Uh, This Saturday night... The 26th of January, starting at 5 p.m., the Irish American Heritage Center is hosting the Cash for Kids Festival. It's Chicago's only Johnny Cash Festival. uh, It's a great night. It's been going on for a while. And uh, some of the bands that you will hear at uh, the Cash for Kids Festival, this is uh, the Waco Brothers. You're going to hear Hayden Thompson, who is a Sun uh, Sun Records recording artist. So you're familiar with Sun Records, aren't you, Roger? Oh yeah, sure. Definitely. Elvis, uh, Jerry yeah, Lee, all that, uh, sure. all that, the big Memphis Sun. Iron Horse, who I had the pleasure of uh, meeting and hearing when I was filling in for Row. They came in one night to promote this festival. The Dark Passengers, our guests, Hody Snitch, are going to be there. Uh, Rosie and the Rivets. It's it's a great great event. And the best part of this is not only are you going to go to the Irish American Heritage Center, which you all know I am very fond of. It is mm-hmm. a wonderful wonderful facility uh 
for a night of not Irish music, but you are going to hear terrific music, all to help the Pediatric Brain Tumor uh, Foundation. All the proceeds from this night will be going to the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation, which is uh, a wonderful organization that works hard because uh, I don't, you know, I didn't realize this is one of the uh, the most deadly forms of cancer for kids. Um, mm-hmm. So they are taking care. They are uh, going to be taking care of this. We've uh, we've talked to them before, so that's what's going to be happening. It is not. It's not all Johnny Cash music. It's it's music that, as the uh, event organizers, and we'll talk more to uh, the guys from Hody Snitch about this because they've been part of the festival for years, um, and we're going to talk to them and find out. Um, more about it but it's it's the kind of music that johnny cash would have enjoyed it's uh, country it's uh, rockabilly it's all this kind of great music and um you can go to get your tickets right now if you go to team.curethekids.org slash events cash for kids or just go on the facebook page which is johnny cash fest chicago on facebook you can get all of that and uh, you can get all the information on our guests uh hody snitch at hody snitch.com so there's a lot of a lot of information that we will be linking on the page are you a music fan roger i don't I know love i love music i love johnny yeah. cash in fact i was just watching yesterday a special on uh pbs about yes. the carter family Oh, June Carter Cash. Yeah, sure, and how Carters. all that music started and how how big and influential that that family was when they started back in the 1920s and how many people that they have influenced yeah. in the industry. And if you don't music. if you don't like it, well it's it's uh, that sounds like a fascinating uh, documentary because uh, we know the kind of music that Johnny made with June. Yeah. And uh, if you don't like that if you don't like Johnny Cash, I don't know I don't know Seriously. how you're an American. You got you got to leave the country. Forget all the other songs, A Boy Named Sue. That's right. it. <laughs> Boom, done. Yeah. Drop the mic. Now, the nice thing is, uh the nice thing is yeah. uh these guys, my my guests, Hody Snitch, who we're going to hear from in a minute. They do they do country, and their tagline is, this is your daddy's country. So this is not the bro country that we hear nowadays. You right. know, if you listen to mm-hmm. one of these country stations, mm-hmm. it's all the same about, oh, let's get barefoot in the back of my truck and go down to the fishing hole, blah, blah, blah. No, this is real country. Right. This is back when men and women sang about real stuff, and it was it was phenomenal country music. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I probably shouldn't talk so much more about the country music. I should probably hear <gasps> some of this fantastic country music. Are don't, we ready? Don't fa- well, <laughs> I love no, I've been waiting you for them. You I know. built them up so much. I, I, I you want music. feigned excitement. Like I wasn't going to, like at some point I was not going to introduce the band. Like, oh my God, is he really going to, yeah, exactly. are we going to hear some music or are we just going to goof around? No, of course we're going to hear some music and we're going to do it right now. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Hody Snitch. My daddy left home when I was three, he didn't leave much For Ma and me, just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze I don't blame him cause he run and hid But the meanest thing, what he ever did Before he run off, he wouldn't name me Sue Well he must have thought that it was quite a joke Cause it got lots of laughs from lots of folks It seems I had to fight my whole life through some gal would giggle, and I'd get red, and some guy'd laugh, and I'd bust his head. I'll tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. 
Well, I grew up quick and I grew up mean. My fist got hard and my wits got keen. I had to roam from town to hide my shame. But I made me a vow to the moon and stars. I'd search the honky tonks and bars and kill that man that gave me this awful name. Well, it was Gatlinburg about mid-July, and I just hit town and my throat was dry. I thought I'd stop and have myself a brew. At old saloon on the street of mud, there sitting at a table, dealing studs at the dirty, mangy dog named me Sue. Well, I know that snake was my own sweet dad by the worn-out picture that my mama had. I knew that scar on his cheek and his evil eye. He was big and bent, gray and old, and I looked at him and my blood ran cold. I said, my name is Sue. How do you do? How you gonna die? Yeah, that's what I told him. Well, I hit him hard right between the eyes, and he went down, but to my surprise, he come up with a knife and cut off a piece of my ear. Then I stashed him to the chair right across the teeth, and we crashed through the wall into the streets, a kicking and a gouging in the mud and the blood and the beer. Well, I tell you, I fought tougher men, but I really can't remember when. He kicked like a mule and he bit like a crocodile. Then I heard him laugh and then I heard him cuss. He went for his gun, but I pulled mine first. He stood there looking at me and I saw him smile. He said, son, this world is rough. And if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough. And I knew I wouldn't be there to help you along. So I give you that name and I said goodbye. I knew you'd have to get tough or die. And it's that name that helped to make you strong. He said, now you just fought one hell of a fight. I know you hate me and you got the right to kill me now. And I wouldn't blame you if you do. But you ought to thank me before I die for the gravel and the guts and the spit in your eye. Because I'm the dirty dog that named you Sue. I got all choked up and I threw down my gun and called him a pawn. He called me his son. I come away with a different point of view. And I think about him every now and then, every time I try and every time I win. And if I ever have a son, I want to name him Bill or George or anything but Sue. I hate that name. Yeah, Hody Snitch, they will be at the Cash for Kids Festival Saturday, January 26th at the Irish American Heritage Center. You can go uh, to the Facebook page, Johnny Cash Fest Chicago, uh, to uh, get your tickets. You can also go to curethekids.org slash events, uh, Cash for Kids. The entire festival is good to benefit the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. Roger, we had not set that up. When you, uh, when I, you I referenced uh, Boy Named Sue, I didn't know that that was the song that they were going to open with, so it, it was pure coincidence. We will talk to the boys from Odie Snitch on the other side. Right now, we got to do this. It's WGN. All right, we have uh, we have some live music in the studio. The band Hody Snitch, Outlaw Country from Chicago. They are part of the uh, Cash for Kids Festival, Chicago's only Johnny Cash Festival. Again, that is happening next Saturday night at the Irish American Heritage Center. You can go to hodysnitch.com to get all their information. They're also on Facebook, Hody Snitch Band. And if you want to learn more about the festival, uh, go to uh, on Facebook, johnnycashfest.com. We'll put all of 
these links on our Facebook page. Uh, Hody Snitches, John Green on vocals, Heath Chapel on drums, Mark Machas on uh, he's uh, the lead guitar, and um, let's see, Dan Rowley is on bass, and Todd Arkari is acoustic and rhythm guitar. Hello, Mark is going to act as spokesman for the band. Uh, first of all, you guys sounded great on Boy Named Sue. Congratulations, you, that was Thanks terrific. Lot, and uh, gl- glad to have you. You are now. This is this is your fourth year doing uh, the Cash Fest. We're fortunate enough to have this be the fourth year that uh, Steve Davern and the Irish American Heritage Center and this Johnny Cash Fest has asked us back four years in a row. So we're very happy and very fortunate, and very proud to be a part of that. Well, we've actually, it's such a good cause. We've actually been there longer than four years. We've only been playing the four years. <laughs> <laughs> so for people, I, I tried to explain it, and I may have done a good job. I may have not done a great job. But Mark, since you guys have been there so long, what can people expect when they get to the uh, to the cat? Cash for Kids Fest. Well, you can expect, as far as the entertainment, uh, I'd call it roots music. Classic country music, outlaw music, some rockabilly music, all from various bands of various ages for the various demographics of Chicago. So for the young folks, for the old folks, all can come out for this fest to hear some good old classic music. Sometimes gets lost a little bit, as I think you mentioned in the intro there. Yeah, and it does. And and the entertainment all down the line is excellent. Yeah, I I read the the bands, and as I said, I had I got to have Iron Horse in a couple weeks ago, and uh, you guys and Iron Horse and Waco Brothers, and it's it's an incredible lineup. Everyone, the Dark Passengers, Dry County Line is great. Uh, Hayden Thompson, I mean, it's just a fantastic. (laughs) The whole everything in there, you you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong at that show. Plenty of space is spread out through two uh, stages, an auditorium-type stage setting right. and a stage setting that's closer to where the bar is. So, there you yeah, go. That's nice. Depending on what, what your, what your life is. <laughs> exactly. Always a good time at the Irish American Heritage Center. i got to ask, where does the name of the band come from? What's, what, is, what is a Hody Snitch? Where is Hody Snitch? What, what, what's the name mean? John, I think I'm going to have to pass this one to you. Okay, Hody Snitch <laughs> is a fictional character from the Andy Griffiths show. Okay. The uh, I'm I'm racking my brain now. Roger uh, Roger Andy probably Griffith, follows it more. Andy Griffith had a phantom friend when he would teach lessons to Opie about the bully in the neighborhood called Holy Snitch, and we we adopted that name as the bully in the neighborhood Holy Snitch from Andy Griffith episodes. Ah, okay. Now, yeah. Did you know that, Roger? I vaguely remember when it's, you said the reference of the teaching the lesson. He often did that because uh, Opie needed a lot of lessons. <laughs> 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 so John, John loves Andy Griffith. It's one of his favorite shows, so it's pretty appropriate how he that worked out. So I'm guessing you guys are not the bully of the of the music world, but uh, how'd the band how'd the band get together? Yeah, well, well, Todd and I had it together with uh, yeah with our original bass player Donnie uh, Donnie Hay. Yeah, he, he passed away this uh, last uh, year, last summer, and it was Donnie, John, and I. Uh, and we kind of got it together. We, yeah, we brought Heath Chapel in. And the intention was to do exactly what we're doing right now. That was the intention. Yeah. Yeah. And, the country, and the country music scene in Chicago, believe it or not, is a close community. So by yeah. word of mouth through the country music scene, that's how some, these, pers- these people in this room got well, together. Our kind of country. Is that the music you grew up listening to? Is kind of a, a old school country, which is a, the kind of country. When I first started listening to country music, it was old Hank Williams Jr. It was Merle Haggard. It was yeah. uh, Johnny Patrick, that kind of stuff. Yeah, all of us come from different backgrounds here, and but I think there's a common core of all of us liking country music from that core base. I would have to say that for all of us, speaking on behalf of all of us here at Hody Snitch. And what's uh, when people hear outlaw country, what, what, how would you guys describe outlaw country? 
I'd call Outlaw Country Those probably guys. from the genre of late 60s to 70s, a little bit of bitterness edge into it, a little <laughs> bit of dark stories in it. Um, John, you want to help me out here on the Outlaw Country? That's it. You yeah. nailed it. You so nailed it. it echoes mostly of Waylon, yeah. Merle, Johnny Willie, Paycheck. Johnny Willie Paycheck, David Allen Coe. Some Johnny of the music that we dip back to to have us be this outlaw country genre. We try to focus on Johnny Cash for the Johnny Cash Fest, of sure. course. But you, we, we try to play a little bit of all that th- throughout the course of the year. But little emphasis on the Johnny Cash. Uh, good old John Cash for our John Cash Fest. So for here and you for uh, you guys and you guys go on later in the night, right? Are you are you still? Is this year are you doing yeah, the ten o'clock spot to again? Have that spot the ten o'clock spot to new, to midnight. So ten to midnight. Come on out, everybody! That's, everybody's going to be all lubricated up oh, and a good yeah. mood after listening to great music all oh, night. Oh yeah, they, they sure are. Now you guys won't be performing behind uh, chicken wire in case we people start throwing glassware. Is that correct? That's the preferred no, way. Brian, but that might not be a bad idea if you want to bring some along. We'll see. Sure, you. I'll bring some chicken oh. wire and we'll uh, we'll have some fun. Only not that you, I would ever be you know throwing place. things. Only if you perform rawhide like a hundred <laughs> like times. Yeah. So you guys will be avoiding rawhide, focusing on uh, Johnny Cash and some other traditional outlaw kind of country uh what are you going to do for us now we're going to do another standard another johnny cash standard yeah you ready should we uh yeah we hold go our ahead cards close or should we uh, oh, hold on cody is cody is talking in my ear all right yeah go ahead guys let's right. let it rip i was toting my pad down a dusty Winnemucca road When along came a semi With a high and canvas covered load If you're gonna win a mucka man With me you can ride so I climbed up in his cabin and I settled down inside. He asked me if I'd seen a road with so much dust and sand. And I said, listen here, buddy. I traveled every road in this here land. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Cross deserts bare, man. Breathe that mountain air, man. Travel I've had my share, man I've been everywhere Been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa, Ottawa, Oklahoma, Tampa, Panama, Madawa, La Palama, Bangor, Baltimore, Salvador, I'm a real Dr. Miller, I'm a thriller, I'm a killer I've been everywhere, man I've been everywhere, man Cross deserts, fair, man I breathe that mountain air, man Travel I've had my share, man I've been everywhere I've been to Boston, Charleston, Dayton Louisiana, Washington, Houston, Kingston Texacana, Monterey, Faraday, Santa Fe Oskaloosa, Glen Rock, Black Rock Little Rock, Tuscaloosa, Tennessee, Tennessee Chicopee, Spirit Lake, Grand Lake Craters Lake, Devil's Lake, Burgess Lake I've been everywhere, man I've been everywhere, man Cross deserts bare, man I breathe that mountain air, man I travel, I've had my share, man I've been everywhere 
I've been to Louisville, Nashville, Nashville, Oakenbauer, Schaeferville, Jacksonville, Waterville, Costa Rica, Pittsfield, Springfield, Bakersfield, Shreveport, Hackensack, Final Act, Cadillac, Devonport, Idacoa, Jellicoe, Argentina, Dimitina, Pasadena, Catalina. See what I mean? I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe that mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Been to Pittsburgh, Parkersburg, Revelsburg, Eldorado, Ellsburg, Rexburg, Vicksburg, Colorado, Laramore, Adamore, Havistraw, Chattanooga, Nebraska, Atasca, Alaska, Baraboo, Waterloo, Waterloo, City, Dodge City, Cedar City, what a pity. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Cross the deserts, bare, man. I breathe that mountain air, man. Travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been to Clarksville, Huntsville, Ravenswood, Birmingham, Jackson, Muskegon, Oregon, Effingham, Mexican Hat, North Platte, Fancy Gatra, Beta, Bata, Madison, Patterson, Ladysmith, and Savannah, Tyler City, Silent City, Laramie, Okeechobee, Shawnee, Auburn, even there in Tallahassee. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Cross deserts, bare, man. I breathe that mountain air, man. The travel I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Cross deserts, bare, man. I breathe that mountain air, man. The travel I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere. Hody Snitch, we'll hear more from the guys and one more song on the other side of the news. It's WGN. But right now, we are enjoying some live music, some outlaw country. Hody Snitch is in the studio. They are part of an unbelievably great lineup that is taking place Saturday, January 26th at the Irish American Heritage Center as part of Cash for Kids Festival, Chicago's only Johnny Cash Festival. All the proceeds from the festival go to support the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. It is a wonderful cause and an unbelievable lineup. Once again, uh, some of the bands you will see, Hody Snitch, who are here, the Waco Brothers, Hayden Thompson, Iron Horse, the Dark Passengers, Rosie and the Rivets, Dry County Line, Saddle Tramps, and Sam Lamb, the MC. So a lot of great things are going to be happening. If you haven't been to the Irish American Heritage Center, it's at 4626 North Knox Avenue in Chicago. Very, very convenient to the, uh, I think it's the Blue Line, and uh, so you can hop right off, you can go and have a good time. You can go to uh, Johnny Cash Fest Chicago on Facebook, and of course you got to follow the boys. Uh, HodiSnitch.com is their website, and on Facebook it's Hody Snitch Band. So uh, how did you guys? How did you guys get involved? You said you know Steve, who's the organizer. Uh, what was the pitch when he when he came to you the first time you were going to perform at Cash for Kids? How did he How did he sell it to you? Uh, I sold it to Steve. <laughs> oh, did you that really? Initially, yeah. At the time, I the was the salesman playing. that he is. <laughs> A music studio on the northwest side, and uh, a former band of Steve Davern's was playing there, and I and I said to him, I said, Steve, you know, I come to the Johnny Cash Fest every year, and uh, I can't believe you don't have the band that plays the most Johnny Cash in town at your at your fest. And he took me on my word, and next thing you know, we were in it, and and uh, we've been a part of it ever since that time. 
And for those who don't know, the fest started out like in a in a church, and it got bigger and bigger over the years. And uh, now it's at the Irish American Heritage Center with a lot of a lot of different uh, number of different stages. They're in the theater. You guys, you guys say you like to play by the bar. I don't blame you. Uh, if I were in That's a band, nice. I would want to be as That's close where to we the feel bar. Most comfortable, Brian. Sure, and it's easier for people to buy you drinks. Not that <laughs> you know, not that that's encouraged or expected, but you know, it doesn't hurt. Am I right? Doesn't that's hurt right, at all. Doesn't hurt. Proximity. You know, if I walk up and I go, "Hey, you guys, uh, you know, I got a request." Goes down a lot easier with some beers, doesn't it? It sure does. Requ- those requests move well. Cash probably moves a request to the the absolute front of the line, but uh, beer probably not uh, not far second. Right on, exactly. So you guys touched on this. Um, the band had the band had a big loss, and uh, you didn't think you didn't think you were going to continue. How? Tell us about that because it's got to be hard. A band is is a family, right. and then to lose a member of the family and uh, have to decide to go on is a tough. Tough situation. Absolutely. Yeah, Brian, there's a lot of love in this room. And when we lost our bass player, Donnie Hay, in July to a tragic uh, event, uh, we took a period of time to kind of assess where we were. And then at that time, we had a little band meeting to talk about some band business. And it was unanimous consensus to move forward. Todd, I know Donnie was a dear friend of yours. You might want to say a word or two. Yeah, we miss, we miss Donnie. Uh, he was a great guy, close friend of all of ours, uh, especially me going way back to uh, grammar school. And, yeah, we, didn't, we weren't sure what we were going to do exactly. And then um, about six weeks uh, ago or so, Mark met Dan Rowley, and he came in, learned the songs came in really, really, really quickly. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> our repertoire is, you know, 60-something songs. Jeez. But we usually got 40 on the, on the roster, usually. He came in and knocked them out, and he's doing a great job. And yeah, so we have to commend him. Dan, yeah. uh, to welcome the band. Dan. And, yeah. Welcome, Dan. Yeah, so. Is it? Is it hard? I mean, of course it's hard. You lose somebody. Is the decision to go on a tough one? Is it, or is it? You know, you you lose you lose your friend Donnie. You you don't want to just wrap things up and not go on because that's not a real tribute to your friend who was part of the band. Uh, what kind of what kind of debate goes into doing that? Because it's got to be it's got to be unbelievably hard. Well, it, absolutely on all of us and. Uh, Donnie was a character. He is a character. And, uh, you know, it obviously was a huge, huge blow to us. So we let, let it breathe a little. And then we thought, what would he want? And he would, I can picture him yelling at us in that really <laughs> angry in that high, high register that yes. he would use. And he would say, what are you guys doing? You're wasting time. Let's move forward. And that's what we decided to do. Very nice. And uh, part of that moving forward is performing at, once again, the Cash for Kids Festival, Chicago's only Johnny Cash Festival. I can't stress this enough. It is for an unbelievably good cause. All the proceeds go to help the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. Uh, we have a link with all the links, but I will tell you again, to uh, for the festival, go to Johnny Cash Fest Chicago on Facebook. For Hody Snitch, the band that we're going to hear from one more time, it's HodiSnitch.com. On Facebook, they are Hody Snitch Band. They are John Green. Heath Chapel, Mark Machas, Dan Rowley, and Todd Arkari. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, again, this is your uh, fourth year at the Cash for Kids Festival. Congratulations on that. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. You guys are playing music that I love, uh, outlaw traditional country. Before I let you go, though, i got to say, because you take a lot of pride that you're not, you're the exact opposite of this bro country, quote-unquote, a new country. 
th- this stuff is kind of soulless, right? All those songs Absolutely. sound the same, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm not, and I love country music, which so it it doesn't, you know, I don't, I take no joy in saying that, but it's like you could put on any artist and go, well, okay, they got the trucker hat and the aviator glasses, and I know this song is going to be about some girl's tanned legs and uh, drinking margaritas on a beach, and I don't know when country music became beach music because it used to be about fields and factories, and as David Allen Coe says, trains and trucks and mama and prison and getting drunk. That's what that's what country music used to be, and now it's all about let's lay in the sand, and I blame Kenny Chesney for all this. But So what, what has made you decide to issue all of that and stay with your roots? Some of the best music yeah. ever made. Yeah, country music evolves in general from, from when it started in the early days, as you mentioned, with the Carter family. But it doesn't mean you have to like it as it's evolved. <laughs> so there's this core part of the music from the 60s and 70s, which we try to gravitate to as we yeah. choose new songs. And it's, it's, it's actually the music that motivates us most. So. There you go. So what are we going to end with? We're going to end with uh, the Johnny Cash classic, Folsom Prison Blues. Nice. Uh, Mark, before we go, I just want to oh. make sure that you uh, know that we have one more band member, and his name is Mike Conroy. He couldn't be here with us today, but he's a big part of this band. We love him. We miss you. We wish you we were here, Mike. Yeah, if he's not here, we don't talk about him. Sorry, he's out. That's it. You, you don't show up, with, uh, we, we don't pay attention. Mike, we're, we miss you. Sorry you weren't here. Hody Snitch, Johnny Cash, WGN. <laughs> I hear that train it coming, it's coming up around the bend. I ain't seen no sunshine since hell I don't know when. Lord, I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps rolling on down to San Antonio. When I was just a baby, my mama had told me, son, Always be a good boy, don't you ever play with guns But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die When I hear that train rolling, I hang my head and There's rich folks eating in fancy dining cars They probably drink a coffee, Lord, smoking fast cigars Hell, I know'd I had it coming I know I can't be free But them people keep a-moving And that's what tortures Lord, little on farther back, Lord, far from Folsom Prison, 
That's where I'd want to stay And I'd let that lonesome whistle Blow my blues away That's Hody Snitch. You can catch him Saturday night, 10 to midnight, as part of the Cash for Kids Festival at the Irish American Heritage Center, all to benefit the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation, HodiSnitch.com. On Facebook, it's Hody Snitch Band. Fantastic job, gentlemen. Thank you very much. All right, let's do this. Then we come back. We're going to find out. Uh, we'll talk to Karen at some point. Karen Conti's coming up at 7. She may, There may or may not have been some big legal stories this week. I don't know what that is. But uh, we are, uh, we are uh, starting to wrap things up up and now i now i got uh, i got to turn on uh, the outlaw country station when i get in the car which is one of my one of my presets not that i won't be listening to karen but i'll have uh, i can listen to two things at once i can multitask karen conti is here it's nice co- welcome we both uh is it oh that's not your mic there's your mic all right there, that's that's you. A lawyer without a go. mic. That's no, that's really not good. A sad thing. Um, <laughs> so it's nice we we both have shows today because sports were early, yeah. and I was thinking of you all week because I was like, man, there's going to be something to talk about, uh, and I know you're going to be covering the Van Dyke verdict I and will. the sentencing. But can we? Can I get sure. a thumbnail? First, I called it. That he got. First of all, let's, I said between six, seven, and an eight. I said six, seven, and eight, which seems very low. That's yeah. much lower than the prosecution was looking for. Now the judge and I listened Friday. I listened to the judge and, and his whole big thing that second degree murder was more serious than the other char- aggravated battery were the other charges. Correct. That's correct. So, however, yes. I mean, I think I think logically, and you know I always try to, when we talk, I always come from a common sense standpoint. Yes, somebody dying is more serious than aggravated battery, but the sentencing for right. aggravated battery carries more time. It does. So, it's weird. Correct me if I'm wrong. If they, had, if they had sentenced him on just one of the aggravated battery charges, he would be serving more time than on the second degree murder. Not necessarily. The, the, the aggravated battery charges is 6 to 30, each okay. one. Okay. And they merge together. So it's not like sure. you're going to do 6 to 30 for each of the 16, 16 times, counts. Because yeah. it's one action, one set of circumstances. So 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 the 6 is, is sort of the bottom line there. And listen, you know, a lot of people are criticizing the judge and calling for him to be voted out of his, uh, his bench. I just want to say that these judges see a lot of people who have a criminal history. They have le- illegal handguns. They have no family support system. They are probably going to, con- uh, you know, recommit. This is a guy, I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying anything about the crime or anything, but this is a guy with no criminal history. He was doing his job. He messed up big time. The jury found that he messed up. He's never going to be a police officer again, so he'll never do this again. He's got a support system and family, and this is a guy who should be sentenced on the lower end of the spectrum that's just the way it works see and this is where and we've had this conversation countless times this is where the letter of the law and the emotion of what people think should happen are wildly separated because a lot of people have pointed out and you've been one who've said you know they're looking at what Rod Blagojevich got sentenced. That's what I've seen the last right. few days. Oh, look at Rod Blagojevich is in jail for so much more. He didn't kill anybody. He just 
talked about maybe making a deal, blah, 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 I blah. agree with you. When you look at those two together, it seems very unfair. Yeah. You know, one's federal, one's state, you know, but, but again, I'm not... I'm not uh, in favor of Blagojevich's sentence. Right, I, think I know. That that's was, why, yeah. I think that was very excessive. And, and listen, if you don't think he's going to be punished, let me tell you something differently. If you spend one day in a prison uh, visiting somebody or, or going on a tour, you never want to go back there again. You want to take a shower for five hours. It is the worst place in the world. He's not going to a nice place either. But will he be in general population or because he's a police officer, will he be in isolation? He's not that be- one is, not that that makes it better but no it makes it worse he's probably going to be in isolation it's very expensive and it's very dangerous to house a police officer especially one who's shot an african-american youth that everybody knows about so you know spending time by yourself sounds like it would be great as opposed to spending time in general population for a few years but it isn't it it drives people crazy it 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 breaks the strongest of people six years is going to be a long time that he's going to serve and he's going to come out a broken man he will Okay. Now, what about what about the the verdict that we heard a couple of days before? Ah. That the three officers who were uh, charged with, and I forget the exact charge, but basically, and yeah, basically yeah. the code of silence, right? Which it seems pretty obvious to uh, most laymen that this is it. The judge chastised one of not only chastised the prosecution, but chastised one of the witnesses who came forward afterwards. Now, I don't think in in general, we can be surprised that some people wait a little bit before they come forward and say something. And this this one witness to the shooting didn't come forward till he saw TV coverage where they were. He was like, "Wait, this is completely opposite of what I've done." So, do you? And I know you'll talk about this one too, but just thumbnail it. Do you think that was a? A, the right verdict and the right way for the judge to act? This is the what, what a judge does. The judge looks at reasonable doubt. The judge says looks at all the elements and is very mechanical. A jury looks at the emotion of things and says, they must have covered it up. It doesn't make any sense. The judge went through all the elements and said there was evidence on both sides, but if there is evidence on the other side, that's reasonable doubt, and it fails. It's got to be proof. And listen, conspiracy is hard to prove. Yeah. You and I say... Do we ever say, hey, Brian, let's get together and commit a crime? We never say that. No. That's not nothing. that we'd admit here. What no. are you, crazy? <laughs> but people don't do that. Maybe no. they wink and nod, but there's there's hardly ever a time when there's really solid yeah. evidence of that. So that's difficult. And listen, we weren't sitting in the courtroom either. I think some of the evidence was a little bit different than some of the media portrayed uh-huh. it to be. Again, we you know, as long, if you're sitting there, sometimes it's a big difference. Like yeah. the O.J. Simpson case, people who sat there throughout the whole trial said he's walking, and we were all shocked when he walked. So, yeah. so again, I think looking back, Jason Van Dyke maybe should have taken a bench trial. All right. Karen Conti will be coming up after the news. She will be talking about all this and so much more. So hang on. We'll come back. We'll say goodbye. It's WGN.